Get ready for non-stop action. Get ready for non-stop excitement. They're doing the job possibly nobody wants. Watching every canon film and analyzing them. To death. Frank Garcia Hale. Jeff Garlock in The Canon Canon. You're different. Before you were the same. Now you're different. Welcome to the Canon Canon. My name is Jeff Garlock. And I'm Frank Garcia, pregnant rat. Hail. <laughs> this is the podcast where we talk about canon films and all their amazing output. I also love that you pulled for your nickname for this one, not only a reference to it, the movie we're covering today, but also yeah. a reference to a part of the movie that I think I had to rewind and be like, wait, what? What's this story? <laughs> There's a lot of like, wait, what? <laughs> Language is is sporadic and it's um it's a lot of word salad in parts where you're like, people aren't talking like people at all in this. <laughs> yes. Uh in the words of Depeche Mode, people aren't people. Uh, that's right. I took. So I why said, should it be? So why should it be a movie that makes any sense? I love that too. I said in the words of, and then changed the lyrics immediately. Yeah, right. Yeah. In the words <laughs> of, but not quite. Turn to the scripture of Depeche of Mode. Dave Gahan. <laughs> so people, uh, we're the Canon Canon. We talk about Canon films here, and oh shit, we do. Oh, fuck. What have we been doing here? I don't even just know kidding. what we're talking about. Just, <laughs> just playing with me. Um, so, uh, people, we've got a Patreon. Patreon.com slash the Canon Canon. We have amazing Patreon members. You get uh, episodes early on that. You get free uh, bonus tracks. Uh, uh, bonus episodes, bonus videos, uh, and you also sometimes find out about things uh, early. Uh, uh, you know, you get to involved in polls, etc. But uh, this is all to say that we also have a fantastic both Patreon member, friend, and an amazing author. So there's a man. If this is a, for some reason you're Maria's lover's head, and this is the first one you're coming to. There's a man named Austin Trunick. We all know him if you're listening to this podcast because he is the author of The Canon Film Guide, Volume 1 and Volume 2. Uh, he's also a Patreon member. And uh, uh, he, we've been celebrating the August of Austin. That's what we've been doing mm-hmm. this month. We have been letting the August of Austin. Welcome to the August of Austin. Which would have been like a title that <laughs> this director would have <laughs> probably directed. Yes, it would have been. <laughs> <laughs> I, I do yeah i do an episode on the august of austin uh you're like i guess it's erotic um and <laughs> so austin has been picking all of our movies uh he is uh he is you have to again if you haven't it truly is insanity that you do not own copies of the canon film guide volume one and volume two uh they are truly uh, uh the bibles for canon fans, uh, I, yeah. uh, I mean, I it Austin it nails it every single time, and 
Austin's been nailing it with all of our picks. So, uh, like I said, he picked all of these that we've been watching in all of August. Our Patreon members knew what we've been uh, we're going to watch earlier, as we let them know. But uh, uh, we so far have watched Penitentiary Three, uh, one of the wildest movies. We have watched. Probably, it's still the wildest. I of think canon it might ha- seen, in my opinion. Yeah, I think it might be the wildest canon. I honestly, yeah, I'm like Ninja Three doesn't hold a candle to Penitentiary Three to some extent, or even, um, uh, God damn it, why am I uh, blanking on uh, the other one that Austin picked uh, for us last year? Um, oh, Tough Guys Don't Dance. Tough Guys Don't Dance. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah Penitentiary Three lives in a world of its own. Uh, Chain of Command. That's right. Lives in a world of its own. It was, again, Austin has thrown us off every single time. Like, besides Penitentiary 3, which I knew was going to be a wild ride, but also didn't know how much of a wild ride. Yeah. Honestly, even, yeah, like, I think all of them, I would be like, this will probably be pretty good. And then be like, whoa, chain of command, a different type of whoa. (laughs) And uh, speaking of our Patreon, one that you can listen to early. That is out, and then will be our last episode of August of Austin. Too much, the robot with a heart. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, even wilder. Uh, it's <laughs> all these movies he's picked. It's like you think you start watching the movie, you think you're getting one thing, yeah, and then they just like veer off. Off a cliff, yeah. <laughs> into like what the fuck? Which because, is the like, beauty of Canada. every single movie. <laughs> yes, every single movie he's chosen. So uh, great work, Austin. Yeah, t- I tip my hat to you. Yeah, and I love it too because it truly has been thoughtful. Like it's been thoughtful. Oh yeah. In how he could approach it, uh, it's been thoughtful. I think in a great way. I say it uh, uh, in a, a super positive, in a great way to promote uh, the Canon Film Guide series. Like, I think because these are some of the deep dives, these are also, he's touched upon a lot of, uh, uh, in this short month now, it feels short, because I would love to have Austin just pick every single movie. Uh, we've we should just have him do it. I mean, just, just have him be like, what, what are we doing, Jeff? I, like, he, he knows, he's got the knowledge, and he is the one being like, here's, just play, you know what? Uh, Austin's 2023. He's got the whole year. Just guide us. Let, we'll, we'll finish yeah. out the year, and then he could just pick the rest of the, the next year for us. Help us out, Austin. I mean, really. I mean, we, we don't know what we're doing in 2023. We are, we're looking at that that lineup. We're like, what? how will we approach this? Uh, but yeah, I, I think it, they've all touched upon different flavors, too, yeah. like in a very intriguing yeah, a nice way. Because, like, you know, Penitentiary 3 was just... Uh, both touching on uh, 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 black exploitation uh, genre mixed with the uh, you know uh, a progressive LA film school genre that goes into also canon uh, taking a property that already exists and then being like ah we'll do our canon flavor with it uh, uh, chain of command is uh a flavor we didn't plan on even enjoying as much to some extent, but the flavor of a canon version of a straight direct-to-video action film yep. with our beloved duty, Michael Dudikoff, 
mm-hmm. uh, with his last canon film and the last official canon release. And uh, it, again, being uh, uh, wilder moves in a specific direct-to-video sort of way. <laughs> uh, and then uh, to speak to your future in the free episode, too much the robot with a heart just being... How did we get here when you get to the end? Like, how did we get to this ending? How did we? And we're not going to get into that ending because the rest of the ride is wild as well. And also, oh, yeah. the fun part, which hopefully because you love Austin Cannon, is the reason that you've also come in here. We, we talked about these are also some really small ones, and every single one of them is unavailable to watch in a normal streaming function and unavailable. Most of them, if not all of them, I think are unavailable to watch even in physical media form. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I, you know, it's Jeff, we've done this before. We're like, we can't find this anywhere. I guarantee by the time this episode comes out, somehow it'll end up on Amazon or some, or Tubi or something weird. Like it'll become part of that HBO max kerfuffle. Where all right, of a sudden yeah. it's just like, and Plus. <laughs> we're putting too much on Discovery Plus, and it's narrated yeah. by the Property Brothers. <laughs> oh, God. No, don't get me started on that Discovery. Jeff, don't even get me started. Oh, no. Here we all go. All these great projects some friends were working on are gone, gone, gone. Yeah, we, and, we love uh, all of our friends, and we love uh, uh, their future careers not involved in the things that they're doing now. Ugh. <laughs> God damn. Anyway, um, corporations, <laughs> monopolies, it could happen to you. Yeah. This, but this episode I, is I, a cautionary tale. <laughs> it really is, yeah. As is this movie. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it but is. <laughs> I, I feel like, well, because I tried to look it up um, for streaming, and I couldn't find shit. And then you, like, dig through the dredges of Google. <laughs> yeah. How I don't know how many pages you went in. Until you found you found one link and you're like, never mind, it's Italian. And then you sent me another link to this site I've never heard of, like many streaming sites. And the weird thing was, Jeff, I don't know if this happened to you, but I, because it said you could either sign up for an account with no ads, yeah, or you can do it free with ads. And the only thing that happened, I said no ads, yeah, or I said uh, with ads, sorry, yeah, free yeah. with ads. And it only had one pop up. I X'd it out. Started watching the movie. Never had a commercial. Never had a commercial. Yeah. No. Yeah. So, so this is, I've realized we never mentioned our movie. By the way, I tried to, I tried to, like, BitTorrent the link. (laughs) I know, not BitTorrent, but I tried to take it from the site. I tried to, uh, to, to parse the link with a program that I have. Yeah. And it did not work. So I was like, all right, I guess I'm going to be watching this on this site, but it was fine. Yeah, that's the crazy part. So, yeah, we I've realized we never mentioned uh <laughs> our movie today. Oh, right. <laughs> so today we're covering Maria's Lovers. Uh the Maria's 19- Maria's Lovers. Oh, they all loved her too much. It's a 1984. That was one of the taglines. <laughs> uh, this is a 1984 movie with Andre Konchalovsky directed it. But yeah, as we said, they all have been uh, nearly impossible to find. And yeah, so this one, even when Austin told us, he said, "I this one might be even harder. 
Like and 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 he's saying that in relation to too much the robot with a heart, a movie that possibly never actually got an American physical release <laughs> or any release. Yes, I feel like that movie feels like it's a Mandela effect movie, but just kind of made into reality. I think I could be remembering this correct incorrectly in a Mandela effect uh, sort of way. I almost think someone reached out to us and was like, I thought this movie was a fever dream I had on Twitter. And they were so happy we did it just because they were like, I've told people and no one knows what I'm talking about, Uh, which is a constant, you know, battle in both of our brains. It's one of the reasons I do my other podcast. What's that from? Because it's like, you're constantly like, does anyone else remember 101 things pulled from the human body on Fox TV because that movie, that show was wild. But do you remember Cracklin' Crotch from The Edge? <laughs> from the sketch, sketch show? show? <laughs> yeah. I do not remember the specific sketch, Cracklin' Crotch, but I do remember Jennifer Aniston and Wayne Knight in. Oh, yeah. You know, Charlie I was. Brown, Je- Tom Kenny, Tom- Jill oh, Talley. Yeah, uh, d- because yeah, did they meet on that or did they meet before? I almost feel like that could I- be a story. Yeah. Which is weird. Like, I actually, now to pull back on another tab on there. The Edge, yeah. Did you love The Edge? I mean, it feels like yeah. it was right at, because you're just a couple years younger, it was right after I maybe would, like, I think I would have been, like, in my I'm tired of sketch mode for a brief period, yeah. which was in college. Um, I It came up on with Gorley and Rust, where, and I think they might have gotten the name wrong, but then I was like, oh, my God, they were bringing up a regional sketch show in Seattle that had, uh, what's his name from Community? And he was on The Soup. Um, Joel McHale. Oh, Joel McHale. Yeah, yeah, and I think it was like a show that they were saying in Seattle, like they would bump SNL for it. <laughs> like, oh and it was like maybe called Almost Live or something. But I was just something like, like that, man, yeah. there is nothing better than going on a deep dive into that shit. Speaking of the Stella shorts, not as yeah. much of a deep dive, but did you were you able to get a copy or no? I, I have a copy okay. still. I never yeah, had the actual college. copy. I would always borrow uh, Emily Ozeri's, Emily Strand's. Yeah. Because she had a copy from the Stella show. Uh, this one has commentary on it, I believe. Yeah. From them. Uh, did the did the DVD you have have commentary too? Okay. So yeah. I never got I a copy. From, I did like mail order. I like because I think I bought it online from david wayne or something like that That's like, what, he must have just it. found he just put them up and then they sold out like a day and then he found like six more of them and then like i jumped yeah. in i like was in the middle of like talking to my family and i was like hold on like i'll be back i gotta go yeah. get this dvd <laughs> and I, they're like oh he must really have to ship yeah uh and then i ship um but yeah so anyway maria's lovers austin was like this one might be even harder to find i can give you a rip of my vhs if you need it. And he still was offering it as of yesterday because he wasn't sure when we were recording. Uh, but yeah, like it, it, if you go on Just Watch, which is my number usual one, you can get it on some channel called maybe IndieFlex or IndieFlix, but you've got to sign uh, up for a membership or a free trial. And I just didn't right. want to get into... Look, we talked about another episode. I am not positive if I'm paying for that Stars membership still. And I know I, you well, forgot had, about the one that you remember. Did you get rid of it? <laughs> I did. And then I, okay. had, I I signed up for Mubi to watch some other film. And I, I, I put it in my calendar to be like, you 
get rid of this. Yeah. I'm not paying an extra 10 bucks a month. That's the problem. For... I think I put it in my calendar. Now I can't find it in my calendar. So I should probably just go cancel it because they are not updating. Look, <laughs> I watched Multiplicity and I watched Let It Ride and I watched Arlington Road. All right. I got my 99 cents worth. Um, so, yeah, it's it's on that. But I didn't want to sign up for that. And then, yeah, I went deep dive. And <laughs> Oh, man. And so, like, I think the website we landed on, I want to say in the corner of the player, it said, like, look.tv or something. But the the link that I'm looking at in the email says... <laughs> the domain is checked, right? Watch lm35.xyz <laughs> slash movie slash play. <laughs> it's just, yeah. like, this long-ass code, but... Um, yeah, I can't actually. I'm gonna click on it right now. Sorry if there's any uh, sound that's gonna come out. I'm just gonna click on the link and see what it says. Uh, look movie. Okay. Look movie. So at least as far as we know right now, and maybe we'll throw and that we'll link, post link up. Too. Yeah, we'll post the link. At least as far as we know, our computers weren't hacked by by Russian bots. That we know of. That we know of. It still might happen. But I agree with you that, like, I was like, fuck. Because even the Italian one, like, I didn't realize. And I was like, I've never seen this movie. That beginning yeah. footage was in Italian. Maybe that's what it is. Uh, but then it started. And I was like, oh, Robert Mitchum doesn't speak Italian. This isn't right. Yeah. Um, uh, it also was buffering nonstop. And I was like, this is going to be a nightmare. Uh, luckily, yeah, the other site, I got to say, for a weird, probably hacked our computers and uh, probably has porn all over it, uh, it it never had yeah, an that's ad. that's why, Jeff. Yeah, that's why. that must be. Well, your porn has computers. Yeah, so that's why my computer has porn. Has porn. Yeah, wait, your porn has computer yeah. on it. Your computer has porn. Everyone back me up. Well, if my wife ever asks, it's because I watched Maria's Lovers. Well... When I was watching Maria's Lovers, uh, my wife was like, looks like it's a pretty steamy scene that's happening there. What are you watching? And I was like, uh, it's not. <laughs> Always feels <laughs> yeah. it's not sexy. Truly, it's not. We're in Bolero territory. Like, it's just like not. It's I have an inverse boner watching this movie. Uh, so, yeah, it's it, you can find it. And I will say it worked better than YouTube sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> Looked great. It was weird. Uh, I don't know. God bless this weird site. Now I'm worried. We should get that rip from Austin, though. So that way, maybe. Maybe I'll upload it. Yeah. Maybe and we share to our Patreon members. If you're a Patreon member, help out there. Yeah. Yeah, why not? Uh, so uh, so we, uh, look, 18 minutes, 19 minutes in, this is the best time to let Austin tell you why we are talking about Maria's Lovers. So, Austin, can you take it away, please? Damn you, and damn you too, clown. Hello, Canon Canon listeners. Austin Trunick here, author and Golden Globus historian. I am very excited to talk about 1985's Maria's Lovers, a movie that, like Tough Guys Don't Dance, I've become surprisingly obsessed with for reasons I can't even entirely put into words. This is the movie that brought Andre Konchalowski to Canon, the same director who would also make Runaway Train, Duet for One, and Shy People for Golden Globus. He has a really fantastic backstory. He was born to a very affluent uh, family in Moscow. His father was an absolutely beloved children's author, and he was actually handpicked by Joseph Stalin to write the lyrics for the Soviet national anthem. Andre himself studied at the Conservancy for more than a decade to become a pianist, 
But eventually he befriended the great Russian auteur Andrei Tarkovsky, who and then he wound up co-writing 1966's Andrei Rublev, which consistently appears on lists of the greatest films ever made. Konchalovsky spent the 60s and 70s directing films in the Soviet Union, culminating in his four-and-a-half-hour-long epic Siberiad in 1979, which won all sorts of international awards and blew audiences away at Cannes. So, anyway, at one of these festivals, Andre meets, of all people, John Voight, and they become good buddies. John says, hey, comrade, why don't you come out to Hollywood and give that a try? We don't have quite as many censors as you have to deal with here. And Andre's like, great. So John Voigt helps him get to the United States, let him, lets him crash on his couch for a while, gets him set up in Los Angeles, starts taking him out to Hollywood parties. In spite of every actor he meets seeming like they're fawning over him and wanting to be in one of his films, Andre just can't get a movie made here. This was Hollywood in the early 80s, peak Cold War era. This was a time when the only Russians in Hollywood were the bad guys who got their asses kicked by Chuck Norris and Sly Stallone. So, despite having spent almost 20 years to this point making acclaimed films back in his motherland, and being regarded as something like the Soviet Francis Ford Coppola, Andrei Konchalovsky is essentially having to teach basic intro to film courses just to pay his rent, and this goes on for years. Now, one of the friends Andrei made in Hollywood was Nastasha Kinsky, daughter of certified madman Klaus Kinsky, who was almost as famous for his acting as he was for being just batshit crazy. She tells Andre she wants to star in one of his movies, and he says, great, I actually have the perfect thing in mind for you. And he gives her a copy of this Russian novel that served as the basis for Maria's Lovers. Fast forward a few years, and the two of them are out at a friendly lunch. Menachem Golan also happens to be dining a few tables away. Menachem spots Nastasha all the way across the restaurant, recognizes her, and presumably jumps up from his table with a stack of napkins and a pen and goes to see if he can sign her to one of his famous canon contracts. He introduces himself and tells Nastasha he wants to make her a canon star. She says, well, I'm actually discussing a project here with my friend, and she introduces Andre. By the end of the conversation, they've got a handshake deal in place for him to make Maria's lovers at canon. He'd went from spending years in Hollywood, unable to get any studios to give him a chance, to becoming the first Soviet filmmaker to direct a Hollywood movie in less than 30 minutes. And that's all because he just happened to be having lunch at the same Italian joint as Menachem Golan. So yeah, obviously, that was a very fruitful happenstance for both parties. Konchalovsky wound up making four rather rather well-regarded films for canon, and then moved on to shoot studio films like Tango and Cash and Homer and Eddie. So if anyone ever wondered how someone went from working on Andrei Rublev to directing Tango and Cash, if you consider that Menachem Golan might be the link that connects those two poles of the filmmaking spectrum, it all starts to make sense. I've gone way off course here, but hopefully that provides a little context for Maria's Lovers. I think what we have here is a foreign film run through the filter of canon. I often wonder if this movie were in another language with English subtitles, whether we give a pass to some of the bizarre performances, odd dialogue, and insane situations that we see in this movie. If this were in Russian or French, for example, would I be as alarmed when Grandpa Mitchum tries to make out with his new daughter-in-law? Or would I just be like, oh, maybe that's normal in Europe, that's just what they do there. But because it's in English, stuff like that happens all the time in Maria's Lovers, and I'm just screaming in my head, why is this happening? Depending on how or where you watched it, this is a very beautifully photographed movie. 
all and I love all the actors in it, admire their performances, even despite how weird everything they're saying and doing is. I especially like Keith Carradine as a wacky hobo drifter and charismatic creepazoid. Now, this is a movie that Canon kind of lost faith in because they had a hard time marketing it in the U.S. Theater owners, probably like many of us seeing it now for the first time, didn't really know what the hell they were watching. For an erotic film, it's not very romantic or sexy, but it's also too canon-y, I guess, for it to play at art house theaters. Meanwhile, this movie played in Europe throughout 1984, where it was a hit, both critically and commercially. Europe loved Maria's Lovers, but in the U.S., many theater owners looked at it and gave it a hard pass. Canon did bounce a somewhat misguided Oscar campaign for Nastasia... Boy, is her name hard to say. Nastasia Kinski to win Best Actress after it did finally play stateside in 1985. It always pains me to think that they did an Oscar push for this over campaigning for the special effects in Life Force, a category in 1985 where they had a fighting chance but wound up not even being nominated. Though you'd never guess it, Maria's Lovers has special effects by Tom Savini. It's also one of the earliest film credits for Rowdy Harrington, who was a grip on this movie, but a few years later would be directing things like Roadhouse and Striking Distance. Not to mention it's one of John Goodman's first film roles. Uh, This would have been shot before both Chud and Revenge of the Nerds, even though it got released after those. But seriously... I'm going on a while here. I'm going to shut up because I really, really want to hear Frank and Jeff's thoughts on this sexy, sexy, unsexy film, Maria's Lovers. And this is Austin Trinick signing out. Thank you, Austin. And Austin, thank you for this month. Truly. It has been an amazing ride. Uh, You signed us up for ones. You signed us up for ones we are excited for, but also ones that uh, we maybe would have skipped over in some other timeline. Absolutely. Uh, and I'm glad we didn't skip over these. Um, and so, yeah, uh, Maria's Lovers. Uh, it, it, I guess, should we get into facts first? I mean, Austin yeah. did a good job. And, uh, you know, we'll probably retread on some of those, but Austin did a good job of yeah. summarizing kind of how... Uh, 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 Andre he butchers names nonstop in this, so we apologize for the names getting butchered. Andre Konchalovsky got to this movie. Uh, got to get this movie made. Uh, and yeah, like it, it's it's the you know the the fact that he is a Russian filmmaker and that he got a movie made in America at that time. As Austin said, unheard of, unheard. Like it's just like that's mind blowing, especially when, as yeah. he points out, most of canon movies you could have like probably like a Russian in there being a bad guy, um, yeah. uh, and uh, you know, God Godspeed that his friendship with Natasja Kinski, again a name very hard because you always want to say Natasha Kinski, but it's Natasja, uh-huh. who I, I this is one of those facts. Do you ever have a fact that you know? And then you forget it immediately when you oh, know yeah. it. And then it comes back and you're like, how oh. did I not remember Natasha Kinski is Klaus Kinski's daughter? <laughs> Which, uh, after watching Schizoid, <laughs> yikes. Oh. It's insane that I haven't read more books about Klaus Kinski besides just Herzog stuff. And I need to go on a deep dive. Just because like Natasha Kinski's career is interesting enough. 
and also coming from that sociopath as a father <laughs> to Definitely end up the in mom's looks. Little saying that. Hello. I mean, to end up in cat people, Paris, Texas. Like, I mean, yeah. Jesus. Uh, and so, yeah, her friendship convinced Cannon to get on board, basically, and all this. And, uh, and I, yeah, it, it, as, uh, you know, what is the summary of this movie uh, before we get into the facts? Uh, I'll give you the YouTube or the, the, not the YouTube, the IMDb, because there is no YouTube. After spending the last of World War II in a brutal Japanese POW camp, leaving him with nightmares, Ivan returns home to Pennsylvania for his childhood friend Maria. But he has rivals for her love. Yeah. I mean, that is basically what the movie is. Uh, We'll get into this more. I do think Austin's summary of kind of saying, like, if this was a straight foreign film versus a foreign film through an American lens. And then on top of it, the lens of Canon American, which is Menachem and Yoram's yeah. is by way of Israeli and their, and Menachem's crazy idea of how movies work lens that maybe you could give like, in cause I do agree with them. You could give leeway to some of the weirder parts of this movie. Uh, but it, it does uh, have a tone that is hard to kind of grab onto. I I could yeah. see that he mentions tough guys. Like, as soon as we started watching it, I was like, oh, he picked Maria's lovers because he is, like, you know, both before and I think after talking to us, as we are now, like, enamored with tough guys don't dance. Yeah. And this does feel like that's what, again, Austin did a great job of hitting some of the nuances of canon where it's like, this is our Austin pick. That is a good movie. Quote unquote. This is a canon. Good movie. This is like, we got it. This is aiming. This is swinging for the Oscar fences, swinging for the Oscar fences. And some of those swings could get you a single or a double like in this, like it's it. And, but it is, uh, it, it, it's it's not a home run. <laughs> Total canon style. <laughs> I would say it was a rain delay. <laughs> <laughs> and we have no idea how that game's going to turn out when they actually get around yeah. to it. Uh, yeah, 100%. Uh, but so, yeah, so let's get into our facts so we can get into the nitty gritty of this fucking movie. Yeah, so it was uh, released at the festivals and stuff in 1984, but it didn't come out in the U.S. until 1985, which is interesting because uh, Conchals... Uh, it's hard. How do you say his last name? We just said it. Konchalovsky. Yes, Konchalovsky. Konchalovsky, we're so sorry. Um, directed, also released Runaway Train later that year. Which I think is good to talk about in comparison later. Yeah. And also did the other canon films, uh, Duet for One and Shy People. This is all, yeah. And we'll but, probably, at the very least, get to Shy People because that Tangerine Dream soundtrack. Oh, yes. Uh, but it was also written by him uh, along with uh, Paul Zendel, who also wrote Runaway Train. And I don't know if you remember this, Jeff, Jeff uh, Up the Sandbox, which had a cover of Barbara Streisand tied to a giant bottle. 
It's like a painting, it looks like. And it always scared me for some reason because it looks so weird. Yeah. I don't know if anybody else has had I remember seeing the poster of the box for it and it kind of freaking me out. Definitely. But um but he also wrote 1986's Babes in Toyland. Oh, if people speaking remember. of That's freaky. infamous. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, and then uh, Gerard Brock, uh, I'm probably saying that wrong, wrote our favorite movie of all time, or co-wrote Pirates. Oh, I didn't know that, and it kind of makes a little bit more sense in life. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but we're talking about 1985, so you know what that means. Gonna go back in time. <laughs> Number one, Back to the Future. Two, Beverly Hills Cop. Three, Rambo, First Blood, Part Two. Four, Rocky Four. Five, Cocoon. Six, Witness. Seven, The Goonies. Eight, Police Academy Two, their first assignment. Nine, Fletch. And ten, A View to Kill. Uh, Jeff, where do you think this charted? (sighs) It got a release. We released this in theaters, maybe? There was no dates. There's no budget. There's no uh, gross. What do you think? I mean, doesn't appear. I was about to say 173, but no, it doesn't appear. It does not appear. I think it had such a limited release. It was such a small movie. It didn't uh, do that. I mean, again, people, if you're enjoying what we've been doing on this podcast over the years, but especially this month... I'm just saying, you you got to get that Canon Film Guide, Volume 1 and 2, and you got to maybe sign up for our Patreon because we are covering movies that are worth covering but also have no release currently. And oh, I think, did any of these appear on a uh, box office mojo? No, I don't think we had any that Probably appeared. Not. Maybe uh, Penitentiary we, 3. Maybe. I think that maybe did... Uh, yeah, because Chain of Command definitely did. No. Yeah, but we're talking about Canon 1985 before it gets into the big boom, but we still got a lot of titles here. We're talking about The Lover, Up Your Anchor, Hot Resort, The Ambassador, Missing in Action 2, The Beginning, Deja Vu, The Assisi Wait a second, sorry, Missing in Action 2, so we had a rat bag and a rat nightmare in one year? <laughs> They were all about the rats. Look, we've got this rat under contract. We have to use it. 1985 for Canon was the year of the rat, baby. The rat. <laughs> uh, we also have Deja Vu. Uh, oh, wait, I already said that. Uh, Rappin', Grace Quigley, Hot Chili. Oh, it's the Hot Force. Chili Hot Resort year. Big time. Yeah. Thunder Alley, Salome, American Ninja, Mataharai. Hard Rock Zombies, nice. War and Love, Invasion USA, The Adventures of Hercules, The Berlin Affair, Death Wish 3, King Solomon's Minds, Aladdin, For the Love, Runaway Train, Rendezvous, The Quiet Earth, Story of Part 2. Now we're getting into international yeah. and all the other stuff. <laughs> Zavanna, The Sicilian Connection, Stronghold, The Company of Wolves, Jungle Raiders, The Dream, Flesh and Blood, and Jeff, back by popular demand. When father was away on business. Wait, what? What is that? What's that? Well, see, a uh, family discovers that uh, their father, the head of the household, has another family in another state, what? and things just get a little weird. That is a flashback to a callback to our own podcast, and I love it. I mean, 85, that's a good year. That's a good year for canon. I mean, there's a lot of fun ones in there, Yeah, uh, and also shows you the wide breadth breadth of canon releases (laughs) Uh, and 
pretty amazing that in the same year, even though it was, you know, officially 84 release, but then released here 85, to have this and Runaway Train come out is like, you know, the stark contrast of the same director. Uh, uh, and because, yeah, like, so Maria's Lovers is, <sighs> I I think like I it with Runaway Train. I think Runaway Train's a great movie. It was like uh, maybe their best shot. Uh, it made sense as being their best shot as the canon Oscar contender. Um, but it is a movie that has choices in it that you're like you're really walking a fine line, like. You're really walking a fine line, Eric Roberts. Like, you're even walking a fine line, John Voight. Uh, yep. uh, which, as Austin said, John Voight uh, was friends with Andrei Konchalovsky and told him to come to America and get involved in Hollywood, and then he didn't get any work, and he had to teach film classes. <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, a, a Runaway Train is a movie that if you look at some, you know, moments of it in a different lens, you're like, yeah, does this work or does it not? Is it goofy or is it awesome? And I think Runaway Train having the conceit of you could see the lineage that Andre Konchalowski is going to end up doing Tango and Cash later, which yeah. is still wild. Like... Yeah. Uh, that he was uh, behind Tango and Cash, a movie that maybe we need to check in on for it could have been a canon because it's like, I think so. It's a movie that doesn't completely still make sense to me as a movie, but, um, and not our only Stallone connection uh, in this uh, talking about Maria's Lovers. But um, it was an action movie. Runaway Train is a Oscar action movie to some extent. Mm hmm versus when you put this in the lens of Maria's Lovers is maybe a World War II movie, maybe an erotic movie, maybe well, it's like kind of not enough of anything and is a movie that I think honestly can be applied to a lot of movies of this era and especially like late 70s. Where you're like, did you trick me into thinking this is a good movie? And it's actually not great. <laughs> it feels like it wants to be. Here's what I, the way I was describing it when I was, uh, when my wife was like, oh, you're watching something weird. Um, I was like, you know, when you watch a movie and you're like, oh, this is probably better on stage. This would work better as a play. Same with like Tough Guys Do Dance, like that kind of Eugene O'Neill, but it, it tries to have it because it feels like everybody's performing to the back of the house. Yes. And the choices and stuff is like, oh, I could I could visualize this on stage and I think it would work really great on stage. I'd be like, oh, this is so cool. But on film, it's just so film is so nuanced that it it's it feels too broad and weird those choices that you would usually see on stage. And then also it kind of has, it wants to have like a Cassavetes feel yep. where it's a little loose. And then it's like, eh, it, it it's too much of, it's just too much of not playing to the strengths of, um, 
I don't want to say filmmaking because that's not, that's not fair. It looks gorgeous. I think like there are parts of the movie that look good. But I agree with you that it's not playing yeah. to the strengths of filmmaking. I mean, like part of it, one of them, it might have been... It's more in the acting side. Well, yeah, I think one of them, it, I think Paul Zintel maybe was a playwright as well. And that totally made sense. Like there's like, I wrote them down a handful of scenes that... It does often feel like a stage and uh, production, and then there are times where it really feels like a stage production. But like, yeah, and you're like, the confusing part is like, you're like, every one of these actors is good, but they're acting like it's a local production. They're acting yes. like it's a high school or like right above high school. It's a scene study class. It's a scene study class, like because everyone's chewing up the, the fucking scenery and acting so big, and you could picture. Gene Costamano right after me, like, uh, pull it back yeah. a hair, like, even <laughs> just because, yeah, and and, it, and it's a lot of times it's the the main actor, like, when he's freaking, like, when he gets into monologue mode, John Savage, yeah. along with also that guy who plays Al, who uh, is the general, like, the, the other original lover of Natasha. Yeah, who they were off screen uh, a couple. Oh, two, they I were? Believe. You know what? I will say, actually, a casting move that they didn't plan on, which made this movie harder. It's like, but maybe it's just that actor. Because I do like him. But he is in Oscar, the Stallone yes. farce that I have talked about before that does not work that I watched. Yeah, And he acts a lot like he does in those scenes as he does in Oscar. And in Oscar... To some extent, him and actually like Marissa Tomei are working against the rest of the movie not working so well. Where I'm like, oh, he actually is fitting the tone pretty well. Like he's getting it. And like, yeah. and same with Marissa Tomei. She's both like unbelievably adorable in it and is killing it in what she's doing versus Stallone, who's just struggling to figure out what comedy is, like in a in a Schwarzenegger sort of way. Um Vincent Spano, that's his name. Yes, Vincent Spano. And so but they had a kid together too. Oh my Holy gosh, shit. I did not know that. Uh yeah, it says, yeah, the they had they had a relationship. Um the two had a real life off screen relationship which produced a son. Wow. Produced. Anyways. I mean, probably a good-looking son, got to say. <laughs> I mean, that's a stunning parent set right there. <laughs> um, and so, yeah, they're like, I'm sure we'll touch upon what specific ones, but there are just certain scenes that are so regional theater scene studies that feel, yeah. like you said, like Eugene O'Neill, like, you're, like it's like, I'm going to prove I'm going for it. And that yep. happens in Runaway Train, too. Like, when John Voight's like, I ain't got nothing out there. Like, sort of those speeches. <laughs> my shoes. Yeah, my shoes. Yeah. When oh, that was uh, Eric Roberts. Roberts. Yeah. But it's the same equivalent. Uh, but, yeah, not, because I I agree with you. Like, it's not – it's, like, still trying to figure out uh, – it's figuring out it feels like it has a little bit of the growing pains of oh this is stage acting and this is translating it to a camera and we're saying this as people who like have trouble doing that as well and certainly with directing wise um but then i agree with like i didn't think about it but there is i think there's weirdly also a, a conflict that's in it and i think in runaway train because it's about this big train 
and these action set pieces, it feels bigger. And yeah. this movie actually, I think film-wise, there's actually an odd conflict of Michael Chimino, like Heaven's Gate Deer That's Hunter was... style. Yes. Which is crazy because that main guy forgot he was in Deer Hunter. Um, yeah. But it's like Heaven's Gate Deer Hunter style slammed with Cassavetes sometimes. Yep, because that's exactly Cassavetes what I was is smaller. Like it's it, it is smaller, it's smaller yeah. but it's about the acting and that also Cassavetes movies can really border on oh is this a stage thing but there's Generals is so good you're just going to be like all right that you work together well. Um and then honestly you know it goes with what your wife is saying. And it's so canon. They're selling this as like an erotic movie. Yeah, it's a little bit of a. It's, it's got not at bit, all for the canon. Yeah, Bolero. At the very least, you're like, oh, you're trying to go for that, and you kind of can't deny, like, even though it's like borderline illegal. Like, but the same with Natasha. Like, right. where you're just like, yes, of course, Natasha Kinski is sexual. Like in like in the same with Bo, with Bo Derek, but. At least Bolero is like, oh, you hit the mark, you miss the mark on yeah. being an erotic movie, but it feels like you're trying to do a erotic movie. I guess this feels closer to Emmanuel, where I bet if I rewatched Emmanuel, you'd be like, this is not that erotic. <laughs> like, yeah. Well, but the the thing that the, there's a couple of uh, connections here because Bolero. Kind of the same thing. Remember, the guy couldn't get it up, mm-hmm. uh, and she's gonna get him to get. To, she's gonna get to ecstasy if she can. She's gonna make that thing work. She guarantees it. And then, guess what, Jeff? I think that one of the trains from Run- Runaway Train uh, makes a cameo in this. I mean, this guy loves trains. I mean, that's... <laughs> well, I, well, here's the weird thing. On Wikipedia, when I was looking up, like, because sometimes Wikipedia has different... No facts. There is a locomotive appearance section, and it says, reading T1 Northern number 2102 also <laughs> made an appearance in the film like pulling a freight train. Right. And it's like, why is that there? Uh, just Yeah, there's not much information, but some train nerd was like i gotta get in on this <laughs> they were like they weren't they weren't turned on by the any of the sex oh, in no. this film no the train it's one of those dudes who goes when they release the old subway in new york to go like jerk off at the station <laughs> looking at it coming out <laughs> just like my great great grandfather did <laughs> but yeah i think it is like I don't know. It, it it it's it's. I think that's part of it. So then it feels like like I wrote down halfway. Like this is one of those movies that makes you feel bad for thinking. Wait, is this a bad movie, or that it doesn't yeah. work because it has the tropes of seventies, early eighties, good movie. Like and where you're like, wait, it could someone? It has the tropes of feeling like if you talked about it with someone they'd be like oh that movie is a wonderful melange but and start to get into like some film speak and you're like i think you're bullshitting me are you bullshitting me because it tricks you that it does look like a chimina and that it looks great like it has a lot of beautiful shots yeah and it has uh you know 
clunky metaphors that you're like, maybe I'm, am I the asshole for thinking this, like the, the, the single chair in the field doesn't Which, work yeah, really the, the field around it yeah like when it's sometimes it's plentiful and sometimes it's dead yeah and sometimes it and also the door that won't close the the the, uh, the two doors that won't close feel and- scene study playwright as well like that a playwright wrote it for a scene study class like oh yeah. do it like they saw terrence malick movie like they saw days of heaven and we're like yeah like i gotta get some sheets of wheat like fields. so here here's a scene from one of those classes jeff <laughs> so you noticed the acting in it but did you notice anything else uh i noticed that they made no 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 <laughs> no he was eating watermelon with a giant knife through it now that wasn't on accident uh, can anybody tell me no it's good <laughs> but that's kind <laughs> yes. of like i bet and then you and then when they go through the explanation you're like I think it was just a giant knife in the watermelon. I think, I think that's all they had on set. Yeah, I think it was just clunky. I don't know. Like, that was a treat for, for poor people. He was drunk and eating watermelon. Yeah. He was uh, but, rot. But, yeah. See, the watermelon <laughs> represents his marriage. Well, I think that's it. Like, what this movie really, the theme of this movie truly is not about eroticism. Because also, like, I think a big part of this, which is one of the weird parts about Maria's Lovers, is you have a movie starring Natasha Jakinski. A, uh, we don't have to get into theoretics here. She is just a beautiful human being. Yeah. You have a movie an where angel. an angel on earth. You have who has who has suffered a demon as a father, Klaus Kinski. <laughs> but, uh. You also have a thesis that this movie, in theory, is about Maria and her lovers, all the men who lust after her. One, it oddly is a movie that even in spite of it being Natasha Jakinski, you're like, why does everyone like Maria exactly? Like, there, there's like not enough. There all, there's one, not enough lovers, oddly. Like, not that we need to see sex scenes, but like not enough actual I guess like love, like lovers in the story. There are, I guess, enough, yeah. but like it also like it's not ever going with the acting. And I was like, maybe that was supposed to be the choice. That's part of the like part of the original Russian novel. It's like based on or semi based on is like for big chunks of especially like the half the first half of the movie. You're like Maria's kind of annoying. Like, she's kind of frustrating as a human being. Yeah. Like, she's kind of like a jerk. She's playing, like... But, I mean, she's a she's a kid. I mean, yeah. she's a child. And it's like, yeah, that's probably true. She's probably supposed to be playing... I don't know, because... Cool, because it's I also thinking, unclear, like, like, in a Bo derrick sort of way, like, how old she's supposed to be playing. Exactly. Because she looks... She's just a woman who looks like a woman. Like, she yeah. doesn't look like... If you were, like, all of a sudden, like, yeah, she was supposed to be 15, you're like, wait, what? Okay. I guess, like, but it's unclear. Uh, but like, she's not uh, enamorable, if that's a word, which it is not enough in this movie for it to be the drive of what this movie is. And so then you also are slightly left at the end of feeling like, wait, if I'm not putting as much stock in the metaphors and the visual imagery as much as they maybe want me to. Was this movie about nothing? 
and not in a good she, way. <laughs> I mean, it's one of those, and I'm not one to, I'm not a woman, so I can't, you know, really speak to the true experience or anything like that or see with that lens, but it really does feel like she's just a device for this story to happen as opposed to her being a character that has any agency that um, determines those actions yeah to happen you know what i mean like it's well because i also think it is a, i don't know if i but it's it, yeah. this is where i briefly like while we were watching i was like man we should have gotten kelly hudson in here uh uh right. just because like i thought she was a great addition to our bolero discussion uh uh and, and and i think she would have had a lot to say about maria's lovers because also like ultimately if you really broke down what is the theme of this movie the theme of maria's lovers is hey america we need comprehensive sex education uh, uh, in the classroom and, and life. And we need comprehensive PTSD treatment because the two will constantly conflict. And most of the stuff that like ends up being like uh, the plot device of this movie is like, yeah, it would have been solved if you just explained how sex worked. It would have been solved by, like, even the fact that he is, uh, the, the, the drive of this movie is that a, uh, a soldier comes back from World War II after being in a Japanese internment camp, or in a Japanese prison camp, and, uh, uh, he, he was kept alive by thinking about Maria, in theory, it's just kind of yeah, confusing when the information comes across, but in thinking about marrying Maria and when they finally get married, he is impotent. And yes. honestly, even that first scene, I was like, Hey bro, we all been there. <laughs> just like take a sec. No, Jeff, I've never been yeah, there. No, me. Oh, I'm hard right I'm now. Me, no, man. No way, man. I'm rock hard all the time. But it's like, I know it's like you're supposed to, but like when it ends up being that the plot device of a movie is that, it feels old time. Like not just because this is World War II era, but like even in 85, you're like, oh yeah, what a rough time people had. Like <laughs> just like, yeah, it's okay, man. Like it, it just figure out your way then to sexually pleasure your wife and then you will be able to, and then you'll kind of work on it together and this and that. Like, yeah. Because it is, it, you know what the weird part is? Like, you watch it and you're like, wait, if the drive of this is about all the sexual stuff and about Maria and this guy's conflict with PTSD that generates uh, uh, impotence that leads to him leaving his wife and this convoluted, like, plot, uh, 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 it also, it, it's not commenting this is where it's very canon. It's like it's not commenting on, and we so th with that we probably need more uh, help with PTSD. We probably need to point out that even First Blood does a better job at it. Like you know what I mean? That the speech, it, even though the sequels dispute it, it does end up being like, "Hey, check out what happens to veterans." Like yeah. uh, in this case. It isn't, and then we're also it 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 is going off of this is where it could maybe use a female perspective in this story because it even like even going off of what Kelly said in our Bolero episode, like a big chunk of this is that she's a virgin, 
and talk about yeah. was there blood and this that, and it's just like that's not even really a thing. <laughs> like it's such an it's old not- school man version of the 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 she's like they it's gross yeah that like you know ooh a virgin like being all like and they're uh, treating her like a succubus yes but not but it's not earned on anyone's end like it's like she's like it ends up being and you know you're just like great she's masturbating in one scene it's more of so yeah good for you yeah it just finds get your get you hey hey pal how about you offer a hand there yeah man there's other ways to get involved brother like it's just like it does end up like it's not just because we're watching in 2022 you're like watching it and you're like oh this is confused and so then the drive of it ends up being losing teeth like you're just kind of like not as intrigued in it, and if you're there to jerk off, like you know what I mean, because ostensibly if you're watching a erotic movie, the idea of something like an Emmanuel or of like and just like no, it's a good movie, but then you can every once in a while fucking pull your pud or like flick your clit, <laughs> but like no, in this case it's just like no, there literally is just nothing. To, it's not sexual, like really, like it's not this- erotic at all. <laughs> And I get it. It's like that argument of being like, well, then you have no movie, but like, really? Okay, so first they frame this to show you about PTSD by using the, um, it's 19, oh, great. I'm glad that they decided to do lawn uh, work right now. <laughs> anyway, they, they decided, like, so they used uh, John Houston's 1946 PTSD documentary, Let There Be Light, mm-hmm. that was used in the U- U.S. Army. And it talked to people who, after they were done serving and like their PTSD and stuff, and then they do, you know, they insert our main actor there in a very obvious way that it's like, oh, this is new footage. This isn't part of the old footage to frame like, okay, that's what we're dealing with in this movie is PTSD and how it affects the lives of of him and how it affects others around him. Uh, Getting into the like Breaking Bad, Better Call Saul, how like one man's actions can really affect a lot of people's actions. But then it's like, if this dude only knew about cunnilingus thank you uh we probably wouldn't have had some toys maybe and we wouldn't have this problem that's the thing like i mean you'd... granted she wants a baby but you know what i mean right, right but like it's it it is uh yeah it is such an agro-american masculine version that you're just like yeah this problem could be solved like and that's yeah. the problem you watch the movie and most of the time you're just like yeah so you could figure that out like it didn't have to go like in <laughs> And yeah, it to some extent that's why it makes it where you're a movie where like, wait, am I supposed? Is this supposed to be? Is this a good movie? Am I a moron? But and and yes, without that, you wouldn't have the movie. But then it's like, okay, that's true. Maybe there's Another something point. to focus on. Maybe like that. Maybe without that, there isn't a movie. Maybe there's not a movie. <laughs> <laughs> kind of another point to that being like he. Uh, I mean, I get, like, why he probably wouldn't say this, because it would be hurtful, but at the same time, like, where he's telling uh, proto-Mona um, <laughs> at the beginning of the movie after he hooks up with her. Angela. Which another thing. Samantha. Another, <laughs> another, like, scene study, when she first comes in and is so overjoyed about his return, it's like, whoa, those are big choices being made. I knew that actress um, from Ruthless People, I think. I think yeah. she's in love with Danny DeVito. I could be wrong She's great. That. She's great. I love I mean, her. she's great. Yeah. I, I love that actor actress but like it just uh it was it was big swings but then 
He's telling it lets her, you know oh, this is what this movie is going to be. I think there's like that was the yes. first scene that you're like, whoa, okay, <laughs> whoa, yeah, this is uh, this is happening. But like, I mean, w- one, it's really fucked up scene where he's like talking like after they've had sex and she's saying penny for your thoughts and he's like, have you ever seen a person's head get cut off? And he's like describing the sound and she's a great actress by the way because you can't see she's not in focus but you could see yeah. a tear single tear rolling down. Bro, fucking oh! Like, I wasn't sure great, if it was but, sweat, but it works as a tear. Like I was I like, I think tear. it's a tear. Because yeah, just also like, you would be terrified. Yeah, just to let you in, this is how the movie starts: yes. is that you're coming from him coming home in a John Rambo sort of way, in beautiful shots to his like foundry town, which I think is like supposed to be like Pittsburgh area. Kind of look like yeah, it kind of looked like the valley in Connecticut where my family started. Uh, just because it looked like an old factory town. Uh, and his dad is played by Robert Mitchum, who I think was dying yep. at the time. Um, he was, yeah, he had uh, pneumonia. Yes. And he had to do this because he needed money to pay for, I think, oh. I can't remember which movie it is, but where he threw a basketball at like a reporter's head on another kid of film and like busted the, <laughs> the reporter's face and got sued. Holy shit. <laughs> but, you know, he's a bad dad. Uh, he's very upset about his kid. He basically is just like, "Why didn't pulls a Trump?" Yeah, why? Why didn't you just? Why didn't you just escape from the country? Yeah. I bet you I could have. Like, <laughs> I like heroes that don't get caught. Yeah, he really is proto Trump. I didn't think about that, but every yep. single thing out of his mouth is just like if trying I, to fuck his daughter. Yeah, if I had been there, it wouldn't have taken so long. Fucking dad. Uh, uh, I thought you would have been covered in medals. Everything he says is uh, just bitchy. Just awful. But yeah, he's talking about how a real woman is coming, and it's that woman. And you're like, yeah. oh, you fucked her too. And then, yeah, it's, he's sharing. It's <laughs> yeah. gross. He's like basically sharing her. Speaking of Trump, I do just have to say that the font choice for the beginning, because also I love, by the way, just uh, because we always have to say it, the Canon logo is like goes into the star. This is like a mm-hmm. like an eighty four goes into a woo Canon group. Uh, the font for Maria's lovers and all the credits look like the font that's used on those way too much printing conservative shirts. <laughs> We're like, hold on, wait, wait, yeah. wait a minute. I got it before you look, board this plane. I'm not even offended. I just want to know what about liberal snowflakes and you've got something about fucking participation trophies on here. It's uh, like taking up the whole back of your truck, fella. I can't. I don't have time. I know they're kind of being funny about it, and I think it. I'm hoping it's maybe a joke, but I notice that Hatebreed is on tour, and they keep making shirts for. The different places they're playing but I, they looks like they're making like giant printing like for houston and you're like Ugh, a texas one that has lots of printing and weird graphics uh oh, in yeah. that vein which is a smart move because it's like black label society anthrax tour yeah i know who goes to those shows i go to metal shows yeah um uh but yeah that 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 woman is awesome and was the first like that as soon as she came in Guns a blazing. Yeah. I was like, oh, Austin this picked is the this tone of the movie. because yeah. of Tough Guys Don't Dance style. That's what this is going to be. Because I texted you. I was worried. I was just like, maybe Austin gave us a dud. Maybe this is yeah. one. like, And I trust him. But I was like, maybe this is one that's going to be like a little bit harder to talk about. Um, and I was like, because, you know, I think one of the reasons, like, we're always wary 
of doing the good movies. Because it's like, you don't want to just sit there and be like, eh, I'm working hard to like kind of take apart like right. a pretty well-made movie. It's just not my thing. Um, versus, yeah, that woman comes in. And as you said, when he's his bedside talk after having yeah. sex is literally, have you heard the sound of a head being <laughs> cut off? <laughs> and then he's, yeah, so he goes into that. He talks about the, the pregnant rat that was dragging itself across the floor and bleeding everywhere and that to get his mind off of the the head snapping and the the pregnant rat uh tormenting him he thought about maria yeah you know and he that's what helped him get through and he put it in his head about like making love to her and marrying her and doing all these things with her so when he actually finally does uh marry maria and they are about to have sex he he can't perform because and he tells this lady because he goes back to that lady later uh to prove that he's a man just to remind himself he's a man again whatever but it's like i know it would be hurtful to her but just be honest yeah and i get it people are i get it people have a trouble being honest with people they love because for whatever reason sometimes it doesn't make sense but like at the same time it's like if he could just i guess that would be pretty hurtful to be like you don't live up to my dream or i don't know but like because like that line that she delivers like she lived in your dreams too long yes. you know, like, that's where she lives like that kind of you should love me less is what that i think that Natasha was says, I know, that like, was another like Oh, this is acting. Oh yeah, yeah. by the way, but they and Austin, I think maybe mentioned or at least in the book, but you know, they uh which is also where I was like, Oh, is this a Yugoslavian town? Like that right. makes yeah, more cause... sense, but like they do J C V D her accent a little bit because it does kind of go in and out of German and like it then, sure does. Cause even as the movie goes on, because when we first meet her and she's with Al and basically like, you know, uh uh the main guy so it w- he like got his he got his Harley or his dad had saved his motorcycle, so he goes over to Maria's, waits for it, and then she shows up with her new guy. Yeah. That guy wants to go straight to third. He's just like, Come oh, on, yeah. baby, come on, baby. And maybe does and I mean this is where grossly in my brain I was like, he immediately goes for a handshake. And I was just like, I think you just I went know. straight to uh, third, buddy. <laughs> people are have no kind of shame whatsoever or like sense of privacy he's doing it right on her front porch in a neighborhood with other houses and then later on the guitar guy uh on that boat next to her grandma and those kids singing where everybody's watching those kids singing i mean maybe it's supposed to be some comment on the 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 very thin veneer of sexual repression that 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 time period had but it's all bubbling under the surface or hiding in plain sight but that's the hard part. I think it's like because it feels like it maybe went through the American lens and then the canon lens is that that what you're talking about with the PTSD stuff, like it doesn't completely get addressed. So it's like you don't it, the dots aren't completely connected. And we're so and then we because we're also then just pulled back into just like the sexual stuff. But we're supposed to be like kind of like lusting after maria's ever-changing accent and her yeah and maybe that's also we're supposed to see her growth as she gets older and that she gets married and that she was more of a kid when she's with al yeah. because she's really just like hey i don't know hey what's up oh what's up bro yeah well because 
Uh, I thought she said his name was Captain Corelli. <laughs> I was like, we're going to see the mandolin. But Finally no. see that fucking mandolin, man. Uh, but that yeah. scene was so weird because then, so he's on the porch and he accidentally hits the light. And then like, you know, there's this kind of tension there. And she's like, good night, both of you. And then they both start to leave. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden she comes back out. Is it because she remembered or what? It, it felt did, weird. I because- thought the movie at that point was going to be this guy created a relationship that didn't exist. Because I didn't think she knew him at all. <laughs> That's what I thought. I was like, oh, it was just his in his mind. But when they got to the Maria. chair stuff later and it was like, it's oh, Joker, we used Jeff. to. The what? It's Joker, Jeff. The movie oh my Joker. Oh, God. It is Joker. when he thought he had that relationship with Zazie Beetz. Yeah, uh, it, or, yeah. It's it's. Uh, I've always it was all hey, in his head. I've always said Joker is our Maria's lovers. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, yeah. So you well, were because the he, chair, they go like, to the chair later, which becomes a go-to like scene to show time passing, but also uh, the chair in the field, and you know, life and death and blah blah. blah. But but like they, he had hidden a gift there. That's going to give her a lockjaw. Like, you should not put those earrings in. Those have been in a tin for years. Yeah, that's got rust on oh, it, pal. Boy. That's going to, you're going to need a tetanus uh, shot for. You got to go to the doctor for this one. Um, <laughs> but yeah, like. Great catchphrase, Joe. Apparently, they had a relationship. So then I was thrown off. Like, I was like, oh, they were closer. Because I thought there was something interesting to guy in war has, creates creates a relationship that didn't exist because of PTSD. Kind of an interesting idea. Uh, Me and Frank are writing that. Get ready. We're going to make millions. Uh, It's going to be a Marvel movie, though, so never mind. Like, it's going to change a lot. (laughs) Um, It's going to start the Alpha Squad. Yes, exactly. (laughs) Yeah, uh, it's going to be about Puck. Yeah, it's going to be Alpha Flight. And it's going to be Puck having PTSD. Alpha Flight. Why did I say Alpha Squad? <laughs> Could you merge Dumbass. Suicide Squad and Alpha Flight? <laughs> I did. Ugh. But he's oh, going to think he has a relationship with Sasquatch. Um, <laughs> yeah, Sasquatch is like, I don't remember you, motherfucker. Uh, but, um, yeah, and that guy act, it's weird, too. Like, this is the tr- the weirdness of this movie, and that's why it's actually intriguing to watch, is you're trying to put your finger on what doesn't work. Because as we said, like every actor is good, and like that actor is great, that main actor uh, who is in Deer Hunter, but he feels like they wanted John Voight. Like it feels like they wanted John Voight yeah. or Christopher Walken. Yeah. And we're like kind of go for both. And it's just like the way the dialogue and the acting, the the eating up the scenery scene studies acting that came out of him and his just like like when he's telling that story there's also like to go with the joker there's like a little bit i mean it really is joker is our maria's lovers uh he does a couple (laughs) moves that are like that's like cringy like i'm letting you know i'm crazy like when he's telling that story about the severed head and he kind of goes like like he does like his brain snapped for one second yeah he just kind of does like and he kind of laughs a little bit too because it's uncomfortable yeah but i I agree uh, with you that in encounter she the that woman who at first we're like she's way too big it makes it interesting with that tear because you're like oh she's hiding the sadness of small town post-world war ii life like 
she's you know uh filling the void by filling her void if you know what i mean <laughs> oh Jeff. i said it <laughs> you're gonna get canceled like whitney cummings <laughs> exactly <laughs> and then do a netflix special about how you're canceled. <laughs> exactly anyway. uh uh yeah, it's also a weird. So yeah, so just to say too, because he in, he's in it, and actually off of Austin, I thought he'd be in it maybe even more. So yeah, Robert Mitchum plays the the father, mm-hmm. and uh, keeps alluding to that he probably boned Maria's mother, because he keeps talking about Maria's mother's eyes. Yes, he definitely boned Mrs. Vinich. Uh, yes. I just realized, like, I just wrote some real acting choices here. <laughs> I know. Yeah. Uh, oh, and also she has a whole conversation that's uh, a little 80s racism. But I guess in this yeah. case, we'll just say post-World War II racism. Right. But mostly I was just, like, got distracted because I was just like, oh, this is just a horny town. <laughs> like, it's super it's hot it it's is horny ugh. oh you could see the sweat just dripping off oh her shirt literally say, though, busts open her shirt literally it, like i know i wrote down i said uh her blast her blouse popping open like her boobs had a bone <laughs> yeah it goes boy that was such a weird like looney tunes ish like it almost felt like a tongue-in-cheek like male brooks kind of yes, you know scene but i i wanted to say uh talk about his there are protagonists acting choices because you get to see it all over this but like when he's getting those berries how intense he was and that felt like eric roberts in uh runaway train a little bit because i was like oh is he i was like is he kind of simple yeah because he's like is he simple jack just, like in- yeah he's simple jack yeah. in it yeah well, because I agree, there are certain times where you're like, "Is it more than PTSD? Did he get like, does he have like a plate in his set? Like because of those moments, because it is it's off-putting. Also, I mean, that's where I got confused too. Like when we find out actually that Maria is a virgin, I didn't even yeah. realize completely that was a plot point because I, I thought either. they I boned thought... right before he got yeah. the berries. <laughs> I thought that too. I thought they boned, and then I thought the dad had um, had sex with her. I thought the Captain Corelli guy had sex <laughs> yes. with her. I thought like, but no, it's not. It, you know, well, because that's it, the it other part time. where there needs to be comprehensive sex uh, education for not only the the people of the time and everyone now, but also for uh, 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 the, uh, the 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 filmmakers. Is again, if like with the like Maria's had like sexual things, like she's probably gone straight to third. She's masturbated, like yeah, like they're but they're still doing the like old school, like mm, we'll break her hymen, like sort Ugh. of thing, and having talks well, about very- it, like yeah, does this pass? Uh, the Bechdel test or is no, no because they're literally only talking if women are talking it's only about marriage babies f- and, and, and blood was that yeah. Bernadette Peters it looked like Bernadette Peters I didn't look I forgot to look but I was like oh that looks a lot like Bernadette Peters but I'm not I don't not sure. I don't think it was. I know. I w- I mean, a a lot like Bernadette Peters. Oh, and also, I have to say, just because I'm thinking about again, just for cast people, uh, we'll get to it a little bit later. Also, but like this cast, truly. I mean, John Goodman and Bud yeah, Court, Bud Court, but also yeah. Tracy Nelson 
who plays Joni, one of those ladies, is the lady who George is dating in a Seinfeld. <laughs> and and he, everyone thinks that he looks like Jerry, <laughs> which is very, made me very happy to see that happen. Um, uh, and we'll get into also Keith Carradine. I love Keith Carradine so much. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, I'm not seeing Bernadette Peters, so that woman just, I really thought that was Bernadette Peters. I thought the same thing, too, but then I was like, no, because as it went on and I saw more uh scenes with her i was like that's not yeah yeah i um i forgot what i was gonna say about yeah i talked about him picking the berries oh i the, um, the so the welcome home party yes that's that goes back to what we're talking about with uh rolling thunder yeah yeah exactly well uh you know frank when that american flag goes flying in the air from those balloons i'm gonna say it we shouldn't have been there. Oh, wait. I can't say that about World War II. Oh, no. <laughs> well, but you're sort of right yes. because originally the idea, was as, of, as yes. I mentioned, was uh, supposed to be about – that's what one of the conditions was. He wanted it to be about Vietnam. I can't remember. <laughs> to make it a film. I'm, I'm, I'm sure I'm butchering it, and Austin can let us know. I can't remember if he said it in his intro or if it's in the book. But, yeah, the original pit, he, like – like Natasja was just like he's got a movie you need a movie he's got a movie and he's like yeah it's about vietnam it's this and this and then they're like no it's gonna be about world war ii and it needs to be this guy and this and this and he's like okay sure but yeah we shouldn't have been there that argument no, doesn't work Jeff, very but, well but with we, world war ii but it should have it doesn't we should have been there. we should have been there it's the, the last justified war we should have been there <laughs> um but it was feel like that is a funny that's like such a funny thing because you're like, yeah, no, that metaphor is a we shouldn't have been there metaphor. <laughs> like it was just like I think it's because of like how I don't know. It's like they're they're doing this celebration for somebody who went through so much trauma, yeah, and then they're putting him on the spot, can't speak, to do a speech, yeah, and he's got like you know it's like not used to doing that. It's like thank you for your service and you went through this horrible thing now speak to this huge group of people about how you feel i did love robert home. mitchum being like when he goes when i was he goes we we were we. all over there and i was just like Ugh. what a dick american thing like to grab onto a, I know. someone else's trauma um but also again like the at that after party that was really where i was like maria seems annoying and kind of gross yeah. like I swear at one point she's like playing with her eyes and she like scratching him and kind of pulls something out and then puts it in her mouth. Ew. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, Maria, I saw that. I saw it. You don't think I saw that Maria, but I ain't going to be one of your lovers. Um, uh, but yeah. And then, yeah, when they, uh, so he's walking late and then they escape after that party. Uh, and this is where she finally breaks up because they go to that field and another line, look, our chair is still here. I always said it was a magical place. Um, but it's like Maria doesn't remember shit. Like, th that's, again, they kind of give up and they did. But I wonder if that was a stronger part of the plot, was that Maria gave in to being this guy's fantasy, even though she doesn't remember him. That's a pretty good yeah. story idea. <laughs> yeah. Like, And I like that part of the beginning. And when that would happen, where it's like she doesn't remember the box with the 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 gift like the earrings it's like, like you've you've gone on one date 
and you went to like an ice cream shop or something yeah. and you like yeah and it's like kind of bringing that up yeah and it's like and yeah like, i, I guess i remember like, look yeah. i got you 20 pints of mint chocolate chip it was your fa- it's it your favorite. It's like oh, danced in it. That was the only time I ever had mint chocolate chip. Like I've never eaten it after. I've gone on many dates after you. I'm sorry to tell you. I'll still lick the blood off of your cheek. But Oy. again, Maria, was that blood? Yeah, because he got yeah, he got scratched right? from from being a simple Jack and getting Ugh. those berries. <laughs> and then I was like, ugh, Maria has a thing with putting things in her mouth. This is disgusting. <laughs> Uh, I think I loved you all my she life. She wants to be the body. Yes. Uh, oh, so when they come back, uh, yeah, I think I loved you all my life. I just never realized. When did you? Just now. That's just now. that's her realizing I know you uh, for the first time. Um, when he comes back and Al, rightfully so, is like, you were gone all night. Like, with this guy. Yeah. I think we're dating. This is weird. Uh, that was the first real high school acting scene. Like, it's just oh, real. Yeah. Everyone's going for it in scene studies. I love it. Yeah. Especially when he says my favorite line of the movie. Damn you, baby. And damn you, clown. <laughs> Maybe we just need like a super cut of just the, the scene studies. Just like just to watch them as a, as a barrage. Um, yeah. So I I think that's another bit is like time passes oddly in this movie and so you're not I guess like the the chair in the field is supposed to show you things sometimes but like the passage of the time. passage of time and the relationship I think the the chair sim see Jeff um tell me Jeff Bart. if you will um <laughs> see the chair symbolizes the relationship of what they have and what what uh, the foundation of it and especially the field around it uh, talking about the health of the relationship where they are in the relationship are you following Jeff? the, the field may change but the chair remains there there, there may be impedances <laughs> to the chair and getting to the chair but you'll always have the chair <laughs> that we Great shall never sit song. in um so yeah he's in a foundry maria is scrubbing and then which what yeah that scrubbing scene was very much like a vibes of like 80s 90s like playboy video yes you know where it's like it's meant to be sexy because the way they have like the the light kind of coming through the dress a little bit and she's all wet she's all wet yeah it feels like when you get one of those like like my best friend in high school had like a Playboy subscription. His dad got him, and you'd get those weird VHSs every now and then. Right. Yeah. And I remember once us trying to watch it together, and I was like, "What are we doing? Like this is yeah, so awkward. <laughs> it's not even erotic." Uh, but yeah, definitely. Like Robert Mitchum comes by and is basically like, "Here's a bureau I made you. I'm gonna try to fuck you." <laughs> yeah. Uh, She's like, I want to marry Ivan. You're too good for him, he says. And he's like, let me kiss you. Listen, I'm almost your father. Ew. And as I, as Austin points out, you think that's gross. And then she follows it up even more so with, and Ugh. thinking about Klaus Kinski, fathers don't need to ask their daughters for a kiss. Excuse me. <laughs> Hello. Um, and then he goes, just this once before you become my daughter. Right, which also contradicts her logic. A father's don't need to yeah. ask your daughter. He, uh, got, he got a little creeped out, and he's like, well, but... Uh, uh. <laughs> I know you're basically rubbing my penis, like, as I'm basically rubbing your vagina. 
And it is, as you said, it's supposed, you're like, is this supposed to be erotic with Robert Mitchum because of that lighting? Like, it's an underlight that's supposed to yeah. be the sun, but like, it's definitely a, it's an idea. It's an idea of lighting. There's a logic there that's supposed yeah. to mean something. And I think the trigger is supposed to be erotic. And you're like, wrong time to be erotic, especially and- when you follow it up with just trains, which are. You know, that's supposed to be the representation of sex in some things. Train yeah. go in that tunnel, baby. That, it, 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 it's, it's uh, the grandma too. She's deaf, but not blind. Oh, no, baby. Yeah. She may be deaf, but she ain't dumb. She she knows what's up. She's giving a little knowing look and a glance every now and then. Yeah. Uh, uh, but yeah, those trains, uh, yeah, it's kind of interesting the way that it's shot well the wedding like first of all there's like nobody at the wedding yeah. i guess until they have the after party or whatever but like uh i, I half expected with the crowns because i know that's a whole i don't know what part but i know that's a whole thing with uh that a particular church but i thought he'd say i now pronounce you king and queen <laughs> And then they become poppers right away because you realize that church is right. Like that train goes right through town. Right through it. Yeah. Uh, and it's a nice shot of watching them through that train because yeah, you're like, cool. all right, awesome. They're going to go bone like a train into a tunnel. But nah, nah, nah. No. They're going to go home. And honestly, this movie, everyone here needs comprehensive sex ed studies. Uh, they also just need to get those kids outside of the outside I, those kids are I so loud thing. i was like how are you going to get busy sir you can't when you're not getting it up that hard if you've got ki- like kids piercingly loud playing outside because it's like the middle yeah, of the day the or something or the fuck. Yeah. uh it is wild um uh but yeah she is uh, you know again it, you're that's the weird part of this movie you're like is this supposed to be erotic or is it plot like i i don't think like honestly it's like when you watch like an erotic movie a softcore whatever it is there is a legitimate question of like do you expect someone to be masturbating to this scene or is it a plot (laughs) device you know what i mean because like it's played as kind of sexual like natasha is like you see her breasts and yeah. he, and she's playing. She's like very much like, don't look at me. He's like, I want to. I own you. I I I want to. And then when she finally is like, she's. I also will say, you know, when you're in a couple, you got to figure out what works for everyone. Like she might have. Uh, yeah. Honestly, his PTSD might be kicking in because she's almost gone from like uh, uh, coy to too aggressive because she will not yeah. shut up. The way they had her go was just like, come, come, come into me. Come, come, okay, go, come, come. <laughs> like, I want your baby. Uh, yeah. Yeah. It's like, all right, baby, let's take it easy here for a second. Yeah. <laughs> Whoa, <laughs> yeah. okay. Uh, but yeah, he's, uh, you know, gotta give it a little time, man. You just gotta give it some time. But I'll also tell you, one ain't gonna help uh, impotence. You should love me less. Like that is one way to not help out anyone in this state. They need some uh, couples therapy too. That's the other part too. This movie is a good example of why we all need therapy. Um, (laughs) But so it is a big reveal that she's a nurse. 
Yeah. Uh, she's for babies. A baby nurse. Uh, she's a baby nurse. And so she's constantly surrounded by the things she can't have because her husband can't get his dick hard. Oh, tragic, Jeff. Ugh, tragic. It's, it's Mr. Holland's opus level tragic. Wow, it is. That's this. You know what? This is our Mr. Holland's opus. Uh, Joker Jeff, is our Maria's loved- lovers, and Maria's lovers is yeah. our Mr. Holland's opus. <laughs> Jeff, this man, the man loved music and his child. <sighs> Couldn't hear. Can you imagine? So, so uh, he found out at a parade. Anyway. <laughs> uh, I didn't know what uh, fake Bernadette Peters was talking about. I had to, That was one I had to keep going back because I just was like, I can't. Like, I'll say this with the website we watched it on. If you put the subtitles on, they are 30 seconds it, before or after or something. Yes. <laughs> You're never going to catch I was up. Like, it also had like 50 options for English, yeah. and I was like, what? I think they're all the same, and I constantly have to be 40 seconds before to hear fake Bernadette Peters say, it's true, you really can see it. And I think she was just talking about you can see when someone loses their virginity on their face. And she asked yes. about blood, uh, and she's disappointed by that uh, because she couldn't yeah. see it because she wasn't uh, laid. Uh so then we're introduced to John Carradine, who comes in. <laughs> yep. Oh, boy. Man, he's he's singing Making Whoopi, and she's all mixed up. Oh, brother. So, yeah, John Carradine. Oh, with that bulldog, too. I love John Carradine. I mean, uh, yeah. going along with the fact, I think I talked about this, that I watched The Long Riders after Keith we had. Carradine. Keith Carradine. No, 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 no. This is John Carradine. No, wait. Hold on. Is it? See, that's the problem. I always get, I always move it around. Yes, Keith Carradine. God damn it. See, there's too many Carradines. And literally, <laughs> I always, one of the reasons I didn't get this fact stuck in my brain, because of course, John Carradine is the father. Like, he is the one uh, uh, that started this all. Uh, uh, so his brother is also, God, is so hard to keep track. His brother is Dave. I didn't. So I watched The Long Riders. I talked about this after we did Death this Wish like 4. like the Wahlbergs over here. Yes. <laughs> I watched The Long Riders, which I think is a great movie. Noah talked about it when we did Death Wish 4. I never seen it. It's a Walter Hill movie. It's all brothers. The Keach brothers are in it. Fucking Christopher Guest and his brother. And then all four of the Carradines did not realize that there were four Carradines, that there is John Carradine, the dad. There, there's three Carradines. Oh, wait, is John Carradine in it too? He might have been. But there's so there's Keith Carradine. Who is this? Keith Carradine. I love him. He's in Southern Comfort. Uh, uh, he is in The Long Riders. He's Wild Bill in fucking Deadwood. He's in everything. He's great. Um, yeah. He's in Nashville. He, he uh, I think, won an Oscar for the song. Uh, you, of course, have, uh, uh, well, that's right. David Carradine is Kung Fu. Yeah. Kill Bill. We all know David Carradine. Uh, Lone Wolf and McQuaid. Lone Wolf and McQuaid. See, even after all this time, we still call it Lone yeah, Wolf and McQuaid. Robert Carradine from Revenge of the Nerds. Yes, Never yes. had my mind maybe more blown than when I realized that he is a Carradine. And then the minute you see it, you're like, of course he's a Carradine. Oh, but yeah. So, yeah. Uh, uh, <laughs> It blew my mind, but Keith John Goodman, Revenge of the Nerds, Revenge, exact. Oh my god, I didn't even oh. think about that connection. So Keith Carradine uh, uh, is in this movie. He plays a troubadour. Uh, he is a, oh, yeah. a guitar man who dresses in a crazy kind of zoot suit. Uh, 
meets a, a airline pilot of the time uh, with a bulldog. Uh, mm-hmm. Speaking of uh, loud kids, it is so funny that they have that bulldog in that scene. And I was just like, yeah, bulldogs are the loudest dogs I've ever They're existed. so loud. <laughs> yeah. And I, I was, I thought the same thing too. I was like, oh, they kept the sound. Like, <laughs> oh God, it is crazy when he's talking uh, to Ivan. Uh, yeah. But yeah, he's comes flying in. Uh, uh, he is uh, fucking trying to get a gig with the dad from Life Goes On. Who's the bartender? <laughs> yeah, I was just like. Also, he was seen kind of like slow, not slow, but like. Uh, pardon me, it's a little pejorative, but like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. he seemed like he was like kind of like just a you know a little off out of it because he was. I was like, oh, is he got like a not PTSD, but like maybe he was a boxer or something? And I would to love to have more backstory, like of just like what if he like came from something like all of them, like uh, uh, yeah. Uh, uh, so, so yeah. Basically, uh, we also then like Keith Carradine is trying to like he's a traveling guitar man. He's trying to play for tips at bars, uh, uh, and he's kind of like uh, the character in the monorail uh, yeah. from The Simpsons, the music, the music man, man yeah. character essentially. But he also then goes into the, like he goes in and ends up like swooning the ladies. Who are there oh, on yeah. lunch singing "Making Whoopi" in a real raunchy way? Um, uh, this movie also could be titled "Maria's Stalkers," like Correct. every single one. Uh, you know, uh, Maria's abusers. Like they all are Oof. stalking Ooh. Maria, uh, including this guy. Um, uh, but yeah, I, th- we're introduced to him. He kind of disappeared. That's the weird part. Is he does come in and disappear for long periods of yeah. time. The ADR two of the friend when she's yelling at him, like that they added it in post of like, she's a nice girl and this is the right thing <laughs> yeah. to do. <laughs> a Bernadette Peters. Uh, uh, mm-hmm. But yeah, then ends up that we find out that Al, the boyfriend of Maria, is going to marry her gap tooth friend. I say that as a fellow gap toother. <laughs> um, uh, and yeah, they're going to live in Detroit so that Maria can feel bad about being stuck in this fucking foundry town in the middle of nowhere. Um, mm-hmm. uh, I love uh, the tapping of what the dripping of water showing the sadness. To symbolize. Oh, just life. Just the hourglass of their sad lives. I was thinking it was to symbolize his dick. Oh yeah, no, no, no. I—that's what I mean. The sadness of his dick. Everything in here okay. symbolizes his dick. Is this the first occurrence of a uh, dog with sunglasses? Can we draw the like? I, I think <laughs> Spuds McKenzie uh, maybe saw this, put on some sunglasses, went to Hollywood, and became a star. Spuds McKenzie was our Maria's lovers, uh, <laughs> just like the Joker. Um, uh, that looked like a dog to you. <laughs> that's what he kept saying, <laughs> and that's where we get his name too, right? What Clarence Butts? Oh yeah, Clarence Butts. <laughs> Keith Carradine's character, Clarence Butts. No ifs, ands, ors. <laughs> so he gives him basically. Then like that, we have a weird scene of him and Ivan meeting each other. Ivan gets the bulldog sunglasses from Butts. <laughs> 
He buys <laughs> Butts a drink and then stares off into the distance, sadly. <laughs> and they yeah. don't talk to each other. Uh, uh, and wait, why did I? I wrote, boom, Maria rides up on a bike boning. Oh, because, because that's what happens after. Because Keith Butts is like, you got to go get laid. Yeah. He basically, he comes in, he's a crazy man, and his, his advice is, brother, put on some sunglasses and get into party dog mode. Just like that's party dog right. over here. Dog. And then party dog's yeah. like... <laughs> <laughs> those salts are, or those nuts are salty now. Oh, thirsty. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Uh, uh, yeah, he does have good advice. You gotta, if you're running a bar, you gotta have salty nuts. Make the people want to drink more. Yep. Um, uh, but yeah, Maria sees... Ivan boning that woman through the window. Yes. And then leads into her um, blank. It's like this is her possession meets blue velvet like scene. Like is her freaking out on him when he comes back. Is she drinking? Is she eating a bowl of watermelon Water? <laughs> I don't know. I think she like picks it up and was like eating like the leftovers. I don't know. It is gross. Uh, uh, but that's yeah. That's but, but the scene before was when she said that like you dreamed about her too long. She lives in your dreams, not in your body. Yeah, uh, and that like kind of frames the movie. I guess. I guess. I again, it's around here where I wrote, "Am I shitty for not liking watching this movie?" <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, she just goes for it. I mean, like, don't I dare the whole, like, there's just big choices from everyone and especially him because not only is he making the actor choices that he was already making, yeah. now he's got to be drunk too and r- racked with guilt. Racked with guilt while she's going crazy, quote unquote, and we're in Deer Hunter meets Blue Velvet because Ooh. he starts yelling at her to cut his dick off yeah. and like takes it out and we don't see it but it's like basically like 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 you know waving it at her in the corner uh uh and then we're and then is followed up with that dumb scene before they go to the wedding of Al and the Gaptooth woman of her getting ready and him just sitting on a baby bike <laughs> I thought that yeah right yeah, yeah that that was I was like oh there's symbolism there he's yeah. just a child you yes. know, he can't grow up and she's just so I well I was gonna say that the end of that last scene the the big scene uh, the fight scene they it, this is where I was like oh this feels like a play to me because he goes I didn't even know I was a man anymore blackout they do a literal blackout yes literal blackout and I was like oh this feels like like a scene changing, you know, like they're changing the sets or something. But again, that's why it will trick you because there's a lot of moments like that where it's a little bit like I'll say with it being like if it was just a straight foreign movie, like what parts would work if it was in a different medium or in a different context? And you're constantly yeah. like, maybe this could work a little bit better. Maybe, but still, it it's hard to not see it very chewing that scene and really like i do think like i can't get around the scene studies once you said scene studies i'm like that's what this fucking movie is that's exactly what it is yeah um uh it's also hard to get around that just for me 
if I'm hearing thirties or forties music, it really feels like I'm just playing Bioshock. Like there's yeah. a song they're playing <laughs> in that, that wedding of the, of that's supposed to be of Al and that woman that like, I was like, this feels like the Bioshock trailer and I'm feeling like uneasy, but not in the way they're planning on it. Uh, yeah, but yeah, Maria is now grooving on fucking Al, and then Ooh, makes Al going to town, going literally to town, and then he's over there. Ivan's getting drunk and watching this, and fucking you know uh, his fiance too. Al's fiance is like, hey, remember me? Yeah, dude. Yes. Uh, uh, and basically he's like, I gotta leave this woman. I gotta, yeah, I gotta get me some I Maria. Can't be engaged. Yeah. Uh, another community play scene study oh, yeah. section where he's like, what do you think, fly boy? <laughs> like, and so they're talking about that. And then, and then Ivan is, they're fighting in the kitchen because Al is like, I want Maria. And he's like, you don't love her anyways. Like, and he's like, I'll yeah, show you. You don't know what you got. Yeah. You don't know what you got till it's gone. And then, I'll show you how much I love her. And he puts his hand on the fucking burner. That's abuser. Yes. Behavior. That is such abuser. See how much I love you. That is definitely where like your PTSD has gone over the top. We need to get you some therapy here. Uh, Cause you're just like, yep, that proved that I guess. Uh, Yeah. And it's, yeah. And they did it in slow motion too. It's wild looking. His face is crazy looking when that happens. Oh, yeah. While Mitchum is drunkenly dancing alone. Everyone in there is just like, this is awkward. And he's like, I'll make it more awkward. Um, he's goading it on. He wants this to happen. I love that reaction he had to his dad. That he's like, shut up, father. <laughs> yes. So good. But it makes her into him. Like, that's the abusive yeah. part. She's like, all right, I'll take care of you. God damn it. Uh, 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 who? Oh, he starts going off about how he should have died in the war. Now yep. that they're sitting around sad and napping. It's like, oh, God. And, and intercut then after this with like they're sad and napping and he's just throwing balls at a wall while wearing the sunglasses. <laughs> Is I guess mm-hmm. he's thinking about fucking while he's doing that maybe he is he's trying to let off some steam jeff he's thinking about baseball (laughs) (laughs) um i will say it was legitimately at that point where i was like what happened to carradine and then he came swooping back in oh yeah they're on that fairy party they're on that yeah like which that yeah that whole shot of it coming in and the bus coming and leaving was really great i thought yeah, I agree. I get there's the beautiful. It looks great. There are parts that are really nice in this. Uh, not as nice watching Carradine like shove his hard dick into her butt, and he's like, Good "You see God. that? You made it made me hungry." <laughs> like, I mean, that's in front of everybody. In the front grandma, of everyone, the kids, the whole uh, fairy there. Again, another alternate yeah. title for this movie: Maria's Sexual Predators, not her lovers. <laughs> Basically, brought to you by Blue Chew. <laughs> if you wanted to bend, not break, <laughs> try Blue Chew. <laughs> um, but I will say, film-wise, I also was realizing at this point, like if I was in film school and they gave me Maria's Lovers, they would have made me write a paper on 
who is the main character of this movie? Right. Like, is it Ivan or is it Maria? And I don't know if I'd have it. Like, you'd have to really make the case because it kind of, I I think that is one of just like the film wise like problems of it. It's 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 not like oh it's both of them. Like it's a, I yeah. think it's not enough of either of them, so it doesn't give enough time or credence to the individual themes that come up for both of them, which helps make it more disjointed. Because it, it's it is right. It's just like it's a fifty fifty at that point. Who it could be they're supposed to be following here. This is one of those movies where the marketing team tries to come up with different approaches to make people see the movie, different demographics and stuff. Mm-hmm. And one of those is one of the posters for Maria's Lovers is the bulldog with the sunglasses <laughs> and her kind of like laughing off to the side or something. <laughs> I feel <Maria's> good. So I'll say just to be a du- like if if you the the whole just to be a what? just to be a dude just to be okay. a horny person if you are looking for the closest to the most erotic scene in this but then it's still not yeah uh Maria masturbating on the bed and it's like sexual gymnastics of her like fucking gripping onto the fucking bed which becomes a a visual thematic thing yep. um that's the closest you're going to get. Like, if you are a person yeah. who's like, I uh, go to, like, uh, like I was just looking, like, Severin was doing a $5 sale the other day. And I was, like, looking. I was like, oh, yeah, half of these are, like, movies. I'm like, yeah, maybe I'd get this, like, Weird Giallo or, like, Next of Kin. And then half are just like, what am I going to do with this softcore porn? Like, what? I, I'm not going to yeah. lie and act like this is a movie that I want to watch. But... <laughs> Yeah, if you were lo- if your whole purpose to go to a weird website to stream Maria's Lovers is to jerk off, the closest you're gonna get is maybe this. It's the closest to an erotic scene, but it also while you're watching it, you're like, this is sad. This is the movie needs comprehensive sexual education. Yeah, the moral of this movie very... is that repression sucks. Sexual repression yeah. stinks. You shouldn't need she to get the... drunk for that. Yeah. <laughs> like. Jerk off. She, Go she's nuts. Drunk, she's angry. Yeah. She's horny. And then also, this is where the score does some weird... Sometimes occasionally it does this weird, like, 80s bass synth, deep bass synth. This is the one part I was... In, I like With that, I was into the music in this part, because there was, like, in our... I know. I was like, this is cool, yeah. but it was so out of... Uh, it just came out of nowhere. Well, because it didn't really match the tone of what uh, uh, Gary S. Remall did the music. Uh, it was, like, very... 80s of the time it was like an arpeggiated bells sequence too with those deep bassy things and i it was the first time where i was like oh i guess i'll look for maria's lovers as a soundtrack if it exists <laughs> like um uh, yeah. for just a soundtrack corner uh just because that part at the very least i was into um i think you know here's the thing too if you're a person looking to an erotic film and you want to go to Maria's Lovers for your jerk-off session, you better move quick because you have to do extra hard work to not realize that the whole like part of the point of that scene is kind of de- is depressing. That as you yeah. said, you have to get drunk, do it out of anger instead of just yeah, just masturbate like now and then. Uh, you also have to get it in quick before rat flashback. <laughs> 
they they throw you off a little bit and you think it might be happening that ivan is picturing a rat coming in and that's where i just wrote not an erotic movie like and so the rat is climbing up on him and then goes like do we see a close-up of the rat (laughs) at one point uh Yes, we do. And then it's in his mouth. No, that happens later, doesn't it? Was it in the? Oh, is there a couple rat flashbacks? It's because when he's off, like when he's in that new town, because it's before he goes back. Because it's that that scene is later. He does have a flashback of the rat. We do. You know what? I just realized too. I'm weirdly merging. I finally saw Road Games. That like uh, I'm blanking on the the director's name, but he did Psycho two as well, and he's a great director. But it's Jamie Lee Curtis and J- and Stacy Keach, and it's like an Australian oh, movie. Yeah. It's finally up on Tubi. I've been waiting for it to come up on something streaming, and it's great. I loved it. But there is like a very Australian scene where like he sees a kangaroo, and then all of a sudden there's a in the street as he's driving and there's a crazy close up of a fake looking kangaroo in his face and i merged it with maria's <laughs> lovers as well right but because no, yeah but there's also the some rat, rat flashbacks yeah. i forgot there are multiple rat flashbacks yeah. and that's when he goes up and sees that she's just finished and he's just kind of like oh, uh, i'm going to go ride the rails we'll jump a train yeah so he puts uh, his sunglasses we'll go work on. on the kill floor yeah so his reaction to finding out his wife Master Bay, because he can't get it up, is he jumps on that train that we saw where in front of where he got married, puts his sunglasses on that Keith Carradine gave him as his fucking sunglasses, and decides to go to a town next over to it basically be like if I just came to where you live or you came to over here <laughs> yeah. to get away from your wife and you decide to go work on the kill floor, as you said. <laughs> Uh, 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 and allow Mit- Robert Mitchum to come over and console and probably try to fuck your wife at that point. Um, uh, and again, that's where time is weird because I was like, what are these cows in the snow? Are we in a different movie? Is this from a Russian yeah. movie he already made? But yeah, basically he ends up at a kill floor. He's getting yelled at by, speaking of crazy ADR, that foreman has like the craziest yes. fake voice. <laughs> holy shit you could tell that was like the most like obvious adr i thought i told you to go get those anard stubs over there (laughs) but i was excited about john goodman oh he's the best i mean i just wrote he is always great it's such a tiny part he's killing it bud court's great too like uh i love bud court play like basically he finds two drinking buddies two drinking and screwing buddies with his fellow workers bud court and john goodman and uh, uh, and they are kind of trading off women. Uh, Bud Court's clearly upset because one woman he was with, Ivan takes. Uh, yeah. uh, and then later he's super defensive when Maria shows up. FYI, spoiler: Maria's gonna come back uh, and find him magically. Um, but yeah, John Goodman's so awesome. Like I just that's just all there is to it. Yeah. Uh, he's the greatest. Um, it's really weird when he shows up sometimes. Have you ever seen that commercial for that like gambling app or something where he's yeah. his head is on a finger? <laughs> it's disconcerting to say the least. It's weird. I don't know, but it, I mean the man's got such range yeah. and he's incredible always. Righteous so. Gemstones. Lots Greatest of, show ever. Oh man. My God. This last season of Righteous Ugh, Gemstones, he was so fucking good. 
just what a how how can they have their 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 latest show be the best one like and so like you're just yeah. like okay this is like everything i want um <laughs> but yeah carradine comes back out of nowhere but uh, but uh, butts has uh, after shoving his uh, heart on into her butts uh, has fallen in love with her. Surprise! He wrote a song called Maria's Eyes, which I also am like, wait, did you just replace the song you already had with like Maria now and then? And you find out that yes, <laughs> yes. Uh, uh, but yeah, they have. They end up. They end up boning with that weird portrait staring at them. <laughs> Yeah, I, which I think was the grandma. Oh, that would make it even weirder. I love that take. Uh, I love that they cut from him boning her to the damn chair alone in the fields. Yep. Movie is just a lot of bad symbolism. And then Carradine never stops being Carradine. Like, he never stops being this character. He's just like, hot damn. Well, gee, Willikers got me yeah. a virgin because he's so excited. Ugh, um, so if gross. a guy's too dumb to screw his own wife, she may as well take off. Uh, like, yes, I. Uh, so then, also, so he bones her. He keeps talking about how she's got to come with him because he loves that she's a virgin. And I'm like, buddy, it's over. Uh, but uh, then they come. Is is this another bad symbolism moment? Moment, or did I just miss see it? When they get back to the kill floor, is that heart that he picks up still beating? I didn't notice that. I think the the cow heart that's laying on the table might have beat once or twice, which feels oh. so scene studies uh, screenwriter right. again. His heart still beats for her, even though he doesn't know it. It's been detached, but it still beats for her. Oh, it's all right oh, there. What I did notice was that Joni looked right down the barrel of the camera. Joni! <laughs> Oh, man. I mean, how is that for a canon move where you have this beautiful, great-looking DP work, Michael Cimino style, and yeah, and Joni's great, but they should have noticed if you're doing a movie that's going for an Oscar sort of style, you definitely can't have one of the actors literally just go right down the barrel of that camera. (laughs) Like right after he says, this is Joni, she like looks right (laughs) into the barrel. It would be amazing if she didn't know what her character's name was, and she's like, me? Okay, yes. I'm Joni. Okay. Does that mean? Oh, okay. <laughs> um, Look at the camera. But, so then, yeah, basically, I guess seven or eight months passed or nine. Yes. Because Maria finds him magically, uh, uh, shows up, uh, and she's basically just like, hey, what's up? I'm Pragers. Uh, my grandma's dead. You're going to be a real dick about it. This baby needs yep. a father. Whoa. Okay. Uh, Godspeed. Uh, I feel for Ivan a little bit in this one. That's like a bold move on Maria's part, but Godspeed again. Um, but John Goodman can really cut to the quick. Still stuck on her, huh? Man, he sees yeah. it. He sees it. He knows. I do love that Bud Court basically runs in and is just like, you took my girl, I'm going to try to take your pregnant yeah. girl. Uh, you want an apple? Yeah. You want me to help me? <laughs> and then what do they do after all that? Back to that chair, baby. Hell yeah. And a hawk sound, <laughs> just like in Chain of Command. There's like a, gah! <laughs> Crazy. Yep. Um, and then, so we're seeing the sadness of Foundry, small town life. 
these these drinking bros are getting tired of being drunk together, boning each other's ladies. Uh, uh, but Carradine shows up, trying to trying to get in and get a gig there. Uh, uh, and so yeah, he basically like Bud is real pissed about Maria. Oh, keeps yeah. calling her an. I angel. wrote down everyone is so unstable. Yes, <laughs> everyone is so unstable. Everyone's trying to hold it together. Let's just assume everyone has PTSD in this movie of varying types, yes. just from being alive in America during World War II. Uh, and but they don't really get what's going on until Carrot. So this is what I realized after the fact. Does Carradine know? Does Butts know? Or does he piece it together while they're talking that he fucked that Maria was his girl? He knows I don't that, think right? He ever, I don't think he ever puts it together until he gets punched. Yeah, and that's why he's laughing. Oh, maybe because he because he they only really find out till he sings a song about her. He sings Maria's right. eyes, and then they're like, "Oh boy!" Even like John Goodman's yep. like, "Yee, awkward." <laughs> um, anyways, everyone is sad now. This is a terrible drinking night. Uh, uh, but yeah, he punches him out. Uh, Carradine maybe realizes. That's what I think. Yeah, it's a lit. That's the thing. It's a little unclear, but I guess that gives us that Ivan realizes this scumbag is the one who impregnated Maria. So maybe he should get that dead cow heart beaten again. Uh, yep. and uh, that somehow that song leads to his biggest rat in his mouth flashback. <laughs> Dude, well, that's the thing. It's like, yeah, so he, he punches him out, goes home. He's having a, a, a nightmare. That rat returns, and boy, oh, boy, that rat gets right in his mouth. You got to give the movie. And the way he looked his camera, and looked, the way yeah. he looked at the camera and shook his head <laughs> is so fucking funny. I'm sorry. It's funny. It is. That's Well, that's it's unint- it's like you're like, did you intend it to be? goofy like and because it is no i don't think so and you have to give this movie and that's i think one of the reasons uh austin is enamored with and i think i am too to some extent like it's like it does have unexpected turns you don't expect it's gonna go where it goes (laughs) not at all even with the rat crawling up i did not expect it to go Ah! in his mouth to be replaced (laughs) with a obviously fake plush rat yes that looks so much bigger and furrier than the actual rat so wild and him just now granted we find out it's a dream his walls still look like they have blood on them but i think it's just a uh, a poor kill floor workers apartment uh yeah but his dad finds them and his dad is at this point uh felt like he needs to convince him to be a good dad they don't really get into any kind of like i was a shitty dad you should be a good dad feels like it's gonna go there but no he just gives him a grief trip and yeah i'm dying it looks and then in the car later looks down and i just wrote because as austin i think points out in a i think in the book is just like it's a plot device that's not needed because they don't go back to it, but in my mind, he says, I'm dying. He dry, He's like, all right, let's do this. I'll go see Maria. And then when he leaves the car, his dad looks down, and I just wrote, wait, did he just die? <laughs> like, <Yeah. laughs> Oh, man. He's just like, 
No, I was trying to tell you to take me to the hospital. Yeah, I don't need to go to Maria. <laughs> That's it. He's some. T- I will say, you just had it there. Again, with accents in this movie, every once in a while, Robert Mitchum sounds like Jackie Mason or something. Yeah. Like, it just kind of comes out oddly. Um, uh, but, yeah, he comes home, and Maria's just like, I love him very much. I love him. And and he, uh, oh, and, and, and he looks at the baby. He looks at the, so yeah. he sees, so one, look, you got to have suspension of disbelief with movies. I don't know how old that baby is, but I'm sure it's pretty much semi-newborn. That baby ain't sleeping that quiet in the middle of the day. Get the fuck out of here while no. she gets to nap. Oh, hell no. No, it's not happening. It's just, I thought he was going to kill that baby. I legit thought that was a possible. At this point, I was like, he could infanticide that baby. He could throw that baby yep. out a window, and I would not be surprised at this point. But no, he surprises us more so. By giving a very John Voighty, Eric Roberts, like, I love him very much. I love him very much. <laughs> and then that leads to that baby helped out his dick. <laughs> That's all he needed, man. All he needed was Keith Carradine to come and impregnate his wife to make him realize he loved her enough to get it up. I guess is... No, I... Th- I think the insinuation here is that because of that baby, he's he's kind of forced into the situation. He's like, yes, I'll do this, but then also that he loves her a little less. Oh, that is smarter than I. That's that's that makes sense. Because <laughs> now he's not because that after he like pushed her away, but he still loves her. But because of all the experience and everything, comes back and he's like, this isn't my kid. Yeah, and then he's just like. Well, I don't love her as much because this isn't like I think the situation has him like broken, and because of that, he's able to be like, never mind, brink. Yes, that is what is going on there. I think but I knew they they'd get it on. I think, uh, you know, again, that speaks to like if this movie worked better and they played into some of the themes a little bit better, that ending would work better. And make a little bit more sense. Uh, uh, I mean, no matter. Whatever it takes to fucking get us on the sexual journey. Where, you know, there's nothing. Nothing more erotic than when you're boning your wife. To just be (laughs) yelling out, I'm home, Maria. We're making love, Maria. We're making love. While while your baby... That isn't is your next, baby oh. is sitting there going like goo goo gaga. <laughs> and then you know what we cut back to back to that chair, baby. That chair's still that there. Chair, so the ch- their love will always be there. Time will always be there. And you know what? PTSD will always be there with our last lines going back to the beginning of like, what are you thinking about now? Home. Think about going home. Yeah. You know where home is? Man, that- Maria's vagina. That's Correct. where home is. That's home to him. That kid is going to, the uh, Keith Carradine's uh, kid one day is going to be a real shit to him. Oh, God. And yeah. get a pet rat just to fuck with yes. him. Yes. What's wrong, Dad? Do not tell him the story, guy. You are going to get <laughs> fucked with. You know what I'm just it, realizing? The what kid been... is going to weaponize it. Yes, exactly. All of your trauma will be weaponized as a parent. <laughs> get ready. <laughs> um, I wish. This movie ended with the song that's at the end of First Blood. 
but over oh. him <laughs> fucking Maria and is like, it's a long road <laughs> that we walk on. Man, that would be a fucking dream while he's just like screaming, like, I'm up! And like, yeah. <laughs> MacGruber style. Yes. Yeah, he basically is fucking Maria on top of the the gravestone of their not fucked up marriage. <laughs> like, just like, you know, just like, yeah, no, this marriage is going to continue to be fucked. Um, I don't hold much hope for their relationship. I'll tell you that after this whole movie. <laughs> Yeah, it's a little strange. Uh, there are a couple problems here, um, but yeah. We're going to find out in Maria's Lovers too. <laughs> Electric Boogaloo. So yeah, Maria's Lovers, man. It is, uh, it's weird, man. I think I, I think it is. <laughs> it's weird, man. Hey, man. I don't know, man. Oh, that, that thing's weird. Hey, Tony Elvis, you see Maria's Lovers? Yeah. Oh, man, that thing's hey, weird. Man, look at that. <laughs> Look at Maria's lovers. That's weird. <laughs> oh, Tidy Elvis, movie critic. Um, so yeah, I mean, I Austin, great pick and great month. Like, I mean, I I just think like, like I said, like like with all these, a little bit at the beginning, I was like, why are we watching Maria's lovers? And then as I kept going, I was like, what a no, what a weird, know. odd choice conglomerate is what this movie is. <laughs> Speaking of weird, Keith Carradine, that song he, that Maria's Eyes that he sings kind of sounds like a frog song. Yeah, it does. Because it's not, it's, it's, it does because it has that like, it's, it's almost a normal song, but it has something off with it style that frogs exactly, has. Exactly, yeah. It's, it's, he's a, he's a member of the frogs. He's a Flemian brother. Yes, a hundred percent. Yeah, I mean, Maria's Lovers, it's wild. Yeah. I mean, I, 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 we got to give our canon rating, Frank, out Ooh. of 10 cannons. How canon is this canon? Oh, this is tough. Yeah. I, I wish I remember what I gave uh, Tough Guys, tough don't, guys dance. don't Dance yeah. because that's exactly the score I would give this. Yep. Uh, I don't, because it's, it, it's different. It's canon. It's very canon in a different way. Yep. Than the one that most people expect with like the action stuff. So I because it's good movie like canon. S- exactly. I think I'll give a seven point five or an eight. Yeah, seven point five for me as as well. I think. Yeah. Because it does like you have to have it under that different you you. Uh, if you, if you're again if you're if you're taking in the wide melange, of uh, canon styles. As we heard from that list of every movie in 1985, like this does fall, you have to have a different canon criteria than Invasion USA, obviously. But it does hit the like, oh yeah, you you almost know how to make like a, a Oscar movie, like, but it's gonna be wrong, yeah. like in in a weirder way than you imagine, and and you don't and you and 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 the canonness of thinking slash marketing it. As an erotic movie, when it's so far from erotic, <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, Maria's Lovers. I'm glad we've seen it. Like I, I, I am too. Yeah, I was, yeah it's it's uh, again. I think it's Austin was right to pick this because it does give you the this whole month is such a great kind of um, kind of like 
a tasting, you know, like yeah. a tasting menu. An amuse-bouche. <laughs> yeah, if you want to know what canon is all about, yeah. these like movies kind of hit all those major points of canon. Yeah. Or the, the styles of canon. I think I really appreciate that. I think it's great. So thank you, Austin. Yeah, Austin, thank you. This month has been great. Uh, uh, it truly, every pick has been fantastic. His intros have been awesome. Uh, yeah, if we can convince him to be our curator, we'll just do that. For the whole next year, yeah. just like, let's let it, okay. let it ride. It makes it so much easier, <laughs> man. Uh, but yeah. And Austin, you won't have to do an intro for every single oh, one. God, no. Oh, God, no. Oh, God, no. Oh, God, no. But, um, but yeah, thank you for doing the intros for them. They've been so good. And, yeah. and again, if you, d- if truly, if you don't have it and you listen to these, you have to have canon film guide volume one and volume two like uh you, you, you can to. order them directly from bear manor media i believe you can and you can get them from amazon anywhere else independent like if your independent bookstore doesn't have it uh tell them to That's get right. it like uh uh look i i do and i'm i'm not just you know uh shooting shooting smoke up his butt i read a lot of like movie books and i read a lot of movie books about you know uh lower tier quote unquote to other people like movie horror and you know and closer to exploitation stuff. Even if we weren't doing, if we didn't now know Austin, this would be up there. Like it would be up there of like with some yeah. of the best books. Like it's just like the take he has on these like feels like right in the right tone. Sometimes you get a book about like uh, a movie genre or a uh, or like a a film company or a director. And you start to realize that you're essentially reading like a glorified Wikipedia entry. Or even worse, you'll get the book and a little bit be like, did I just get like essentially Leonard Maltin's like review books that you would buy from Mm -hmm. like Best Buy, like, you know, Price Club when I was a kid? And you'd be like, okay, I read three sentences on a movie and like you basically are just telling me this movie exists. But no, he does a great job of. Uh, uh, acknowledging the the weird parts of canon, but loving them, uh, 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 acknowledging the problematic parts in the right way, and painting the picture of what an interesting ride the whole canon story is. Uh, yeah. it, it's it's you know, look, I'm gonna say it. You need resources for canon film. You got Electric Boogaloo, the documentary. You got Canon yep. Film Guide Volume 1 and Volume 2. And you got the Canon Canon. Like, honestly, that's to me. Um, stories from the Trenches. Oh, and Stories from the Trenches. Yes. I. Oh, yeah. So you got four of them. Sam Furstenberg's book. <laughs> but true, like, it's just like, to me, like, I, I'm not just tooting our own horn, but I think, like, we work in conjunction with Austin at this point. Yeah. And and that's one of the reasons we reached out to him. Uh, and, and yeah, thank you, Austin. Uh, thank you. Uh, but uh, uh, go get that book. And, uh, Frank, where can people find us beyond the podcast? On Twitter and Instagram at the Canon Canon. The second Canon is one in. And go to our Patreon people and sign up. Patreon.com slash the Canon Canon helps us to continue to do this. Uh, uh, we, we are in, we're, we're in wild territory with Canon, but we're also in fun 
territory with canon. Uh, but we love uh, interacting with everyone and seeing who who really enjoys this stuff just like we do. Uh, so yeah. please uh, think about joining up. We appreciate everyone who does and all of the support and just listening. Go give us some reviews, five-star reviews, all that great stuff. Go to Tee Public, get our shirts, uh, and go get the Canon Film Guide Volume 1 and Volume 2. And until next week, I'm Jeff Garlock. And I'm Frank Garcia Hale. This is The The Canon. Canon. You should love me less. Damn you, baby. And damn you, clown. <laughs>